Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. This week's films are another Mark Hamill double feature. Time Runner and Slipstream. There's a reason Star Wars is what he's known for. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Did your kid have another date, Doug? No. Oh, I know. I thought I thought I saw you posting pictures of your kid on a bench with a girl. Oh, yeah, he did do that. Sorry. So I showed it to my wife. I'm like, look, Doug's kid goes on dates. She thought it was adorable. Yeah, they make me walk them to the park so they can sit and eat together on a bench. And I'm like, it's fucking cold. Can we go home and eat how, inside? How old is this child? He's four. Oh, my God. He doesn't know it's a date. He's just <laughs> going to the park with the kid next door. Relax. <laughs> you, know, you, you say that now, but that kid hits puberty. He's going to be laying some pipe. Oh man, if you're still living next door to that girl, he's gonna be finger banging her all the time. I'm hoping that they fucking move by then. <laughs> he tired of their shit? You're like, fuck this kid. A little bit. <laughs> it's not it's not like they're it's a bad kid, it's just I don't I don't need her in my house every day. <laughs> I was going to send him a Christmas card. It's like, keep your fucking kid at home. Oh, I have to go over there Christmas morning and help them put their turkey in the oven because the mom had wrist surgery or something. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> as the kids were asking if they could play yesterday, it's like, I get the mom. Mm-hmm. Like, While you're here, I'm like, what? I got to do what now? See, Doug's got this tough exterior, but I think secretly... How do you? What do you fucking he, say? He, he may be a nice person. Explain this to me. How do you say no to that? How do you go like? She's like, look, my my. She's like your wrist, like in a in a cast in a one of those slings, and she's like, oh, I can't lift the turkey on Christmas morning. Can you come over and help me put it in the oven? That's when no, you say, no. I'll, uh, be, I'll be right over here next door cooking my own dinner, but I will not be coming over to offer you that help for three seconds. So that's why you just say, oh, we're gonna be out of. Out of town for Christmas Day. You don't think she'll notice? Our yeah. drivers are literally connected. You don't think she'll notice cars there or not? And then if she says anything, you're like, oh, that got canceled. I'm sorry. I should have. Oh, I should have come over and helped you. This is starting to seem like more work than just putting the turkey in the stupid oven. I guess. How the hell did I not know that the, the new remake of The Stand dropped? I don't know. Because you... You're not very up on stuff like Danny Elfman was in Oingo Boingo and that dropped like today, right? Yeah. But 
it's what's it on? CBS. CBS All Access. All right. Which will be becoming Paramount Plus. Which I suppose that explains why I didn't know because I'm I'm paying for fucking CBS All Access. Yeah. I think I'm gonna wait till it's done and then I'm gonna do the free trial and binge because I think you get a 30 day free trial. I think you do, yeah. And then binge the whole series and the first two seasons of the new Twilight Zone. Was so I going to use a CBS All Access free trial to binge Picard, but then I used my Crave All Access to binge Picard, so I saved uh-huh. the CBS one. There you go. You know what? Maybe I have access to CBS All Access because I watched Picard. I don't know. I don't through know my, uh, well, I used my dad's uh, the package game. Stop having conversations off mic. Sorry. Well, we've been sitting there. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks to the glory of modern technology that even though the families can't get together the way they should be able to, you know, mm-hmm. everybody's still sending each other presents, mostly through like Amazon and shit. Well, Amazon's delivery window is 8 a.m., to 9 p.m., which is yeah. kind of a fucking pain in the ass if you don't want your packages stolen. Oh, you um, should live in a good country where your packages just don't get stolen. Shut up, Canada. I was out all day today, got a couple of two different Amazon deliveries. Came home, they were just yeah. messed up. I've been on vacation and had stuff delivered, and it was still there when I got home. Um, I mean, I don't live in a neighborhood where people shoot out my windows with pellet guns, so. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't, I don't live in a bad, bad neighborhood, but I live like blocks away from a bad neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. No, Peoria is totally like that. Like, oh, if you live on this block, you're fine. But if you go like a block and a half over, you're fucked. Yeah. You don't want stuff stolen. The key is to live where you're far enough from the bad neighborhood that they can't ride their bikes. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that many people who are stealing Amazon packages have a car. I used to uh, live in an oh. apartment building. Some of them do. Uh, in in Springfield, there was a whole thing where they were like in a van and they would just follow the like Amazon and UPS trucks <laughs> and and just wait. They would like watch them drop the package. The truck would drive off to the next place. They would run up, grab the package, start following the truck again. All right. Good times. I love my my head too. The Amazon guy just he knows it's happening. He just doesn't give a shit. As soon as he puts it on the step, takes his picture to show that he'd put it there. He's good. He doesn't care. They're like right behind him. He's like, oh, it's not my problem anymore. I left it on the step where I was supposed to. I used to live in a in an apartment building that was close to a college campus, but it was like at the very top of this really steep hill, and I found out later that. When the kids go to college there, they have to sign some sort of waiver that if they venture down that hill into the bad neighborhood, the school's not liable for anything that happens. Awesome. So literally, they would come up the hill in my apartment buildings right there and then just rob cars that were in the parking lot. (laughs) I was like, oh, good. I get to be right on the borderline. This is great. Right in the robbery zone. (sighs) Ah. Good times yeah that was a uh, i was buying some funko pops off of like a guy online because my niece wanted them and it's cheaper mm-hmm. to buy them off guy offline and i don't have to go to a store but then like, quote, he gave, quote he unquote gave me, niece yeah 
he gave me his address and i'm like oh shit i got my kid with me i'm not sure i really want to go there to pick them up <laughs> it's kind of weird <laughs> like yeah I mean, it was the middle of the day. I'm not that worried. You're but. driving into some shady neighborhood to buy some fucking Funko Pops that fell off a truck. <laughs> well, I don't know where you got them. And then my kid's like, because we're standing in front of this guy's like bad apartment building, my kid's like, what's that smell? And I'm like, I don't know how to explain to you what that smell is. That's a healthy combination of marijuana and cigarettes because they both smoke them. They both come right out here to smoke, apparently. <laughs> and then uh, the kid's like, can we play in that park there? And I'm like, no, no, we can't. We'll go to a no. park near our house in the safe neighborhood. You uh, <laughs> you leave you leave Lil Lando in the car. You're like, I'm gonna be gone. Thirty seconds. I'm walking right to that door right there. You can see it from the car. Do not leave. You walk up, knock on the door. Guy hands you the stuff. You give him the money. You turn around. Like all four of your tires are gone. Lando's still sitting <laughs> in the car. His, his backpack was stolen though. Yep, that's. Uh, I mean, I might be exaggerating the badness of the neighborhood. Basing this well, on the fact that it smelled like cigarettes and marijuana, which are both legal products here, so yours is Canadian bad. Yeah, so that cool. is, it's not U.S. bad. No, that is they are very, very different things. We we definitely have gradations. Like I don't live in a good neighborhood, and next to me there's like a rough neighborhood, but then there's like fucking bad neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And then there's like south side of Chicago fucking bad neighborhoods. <laughs> and I ever tell you guys about when I went to San Francisco and no one told me what, about what the Tenderloin was? So I ended up booking oh. a hotel in the Tenderloin in San Francisco, which is just like quite literally when we took a tour of the city, the mm. bus pulled up in front of the hotel we were staying in and warned all the tourists not to go to that neighborhood. They're like, you just don't want to come here. <laughs> And then the next day when we were waiting for like a regular bus, some guy that like he works with homeless people in on the streets came up and he was like helping us figure out which bus to take. And when he found out we were tourists, he's like, whatever you do, don't go in that neighborhood. That is not where you want to go. And I'm like, you work with homeless people in your warrant. He's like, I wouldn't go in that neighborhood. <laughs> like, well, our hotel's in there. And he's like, there's a hotel in there. Yeah. Hotel itself wasn't bad as long as you stayed on the property. That's pretty funny. Yeah, that apartment building I lived in, like literally, like I said, the the bottom of the hill, horrible. Corner I'm on, you know, okay, but you know, you still get cars broken into. Literally two lots over, some of the richest houses you've seen in Peoria. I'm like, this oh, doesn't even make any sense. That seems to be the American way: the, the nicest possible shit and the worst possible shit, and very little in the middle. <laughs> One apartment building for the normal normies. Soon you're either gonna be rich or guess we gotta talk about Mark Hamill movies now or well, I was trying to think of how to segue rich and poor into stuff, but <laughs> I don't is there any way to segue into either of these movies? No. no I mean not. maybe maybe you could segue into Time Runner from a conversation about Terminator. And how? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just replace machines with aliens. If you really, if you really tried, you could segue into Time Runner from uh, a discussion about the Dead Zone. There's ways to get there. It's just not from where we were. Right. Discussions <laughs> of the Dead Zone. Sure, with the evil president guy that you got to stop. Ah, uh, I guess so. Yeah. Well, 
Doug, why don't you tell us then about Time Runner? <laughs> well, there's an evil president guy that they got to stop. But uh, other than that, uh, so it's 2022. Aliens are invading. Uh, naturally, Earth has placed Mark Hamill out in space to try and stop him. Because who else would you send? Of course. He's uh, being chased and goes through a wormhole, which I couldn't quite tell if everybody in this place knew that there were time-traveling wormholes or not, because he doesn't seem to know what's going to happen, but he doesn't seem that surprised that it happens either. Well, I was trying to figure out where it came from. Like, did he initiate it? Did someone else initiate it? I didn't. I think, I, I think it just happened. I think it's like a, right. maybe like a, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where they, they know they exist, but you don't normally fly through. Okay. I was thinking maybe it was like a side effect of the weapons going off or something, but I wasn't really sure. Um, anyways, he travels back to 1992, which is a real help for the budget of this thing, because all of a sudden you just send most of the movie in present day. He goes into a farm and gets uh, steals some clothes, dresses up as a... Uh, best way I could describe it is he dresses up as Brian Adams cosplay. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even put that together. That's funny. So, meanwhile, there's like a a secondary plot line where Raydon Chong is um, a scientist who's investigating the crash site from where his ship went down and is figuring out something's going on. And basically, the military is trying to take over. So she is she gets involved. She ends up uh, basically doing the same thing she did in Commando, where she now she's saving Mark Hamill from while he's being attacked by these military guys who are trying to kill him. And you make it sound like this movie contains derivative plot points. You make it sound like it has anything else. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know, quick reveal, like pretty quickly it's revealed that she is an alien and she says, well, geez, there's no alien invasion going on. And he's like, you're one of the aliens that's invading, but they decide to work together anyway, because he feels that she is not part of the plot. She's just a, some sort of a pawn in this weird alien game. And they decide to track down the guy who's going to be world president in 2022, even though he is currently not. Whose name is alien spelled backwards for fuck's sake. Is it really? (laughs) For fuck's sakes. Do you believe I never picked up on that? How did you not see that the first time they had the signs with his name on it? Like... I wasn't really. Oh, I like it. I like that. I like that little twist. Actually, I'm sorry I missed that. I wish I'd paid more attention to those signs. <laughs> yeah, I read Anyways. the trivia beforehand, so it wasn't a surprise for me. So uh, I cussed. I cussed at the TV. In, in one of our weird cutbacks to the, uh, the to the future, we're seeing that the president of the world is trying to stop the. U.S. scientists from launching the scientists from launching nuclear weapons, which is weird because you'd think it'd be military guys launching nuclear weapons. But uh, he's trying to stop them from doing it, claiming he can negotiate a truce. And then the big reveal is that he is an alien, which obviously you would have known if you were paying attention to the signs with his name on them. So now we have him trying to kill Mark Hamill, which fucking luck. And this is where our Terminator storyline pops in. He's now just gonna. By, I don't know if it's coincidence or what, but it's 
literally this story is taking place on the day when Mark Hamill's character would be born. And uh, so now they're going to go and kill the mom before the kid's born so that Mark Hamill can't come back and stop their plot. And that becomes our kind of our climax is him trying to stop them from killing his mom. And he is, I guess, spoiler alert, he's unsuccessful, but she gives birth before she dies. So he's still, we still, the world still gets a Mark Hamill. It's the best kind of world. Well, obviously. Did we? Did we mention that the president is played by uh, Byron James? So everybody knows that he's a bad guy. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, that to me was the giveaway that he was going to be a bad guy. It wasn't the... Uh, I didn't pick up on the alien thing, but I did pick up on that he's Byron James. And I don't think he's ever played a good guy. So like, I'm pretty sure, like, like literally, if you read the cast list, it's like, okay, there's a lot of names in here you just haven't heard of. That's fine. When you get to the characters that you have heard of, you're like, I know what these guys are going to do in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no Mark Hamill's the hero. You know, the, he's going to be kind of the working man hero. That's going to be his deal. And then we know that Baron James is going to be the bad guy. And then we know that Ray Don Chong is going to be the reluctant, you know, helper to our hero. <laughs> that's that's what they do. So, I I really only have two major complaints of this movie. Okay. So, number one, poster art. Hamill stash movie, no Hamill stash. Well, it's debatable. I think the problem is his mustache is just so blonde that it's barely noticeable. I think there is one there. I spent that's you got you spent all the time reading signs. I was really looking. He has stubble. He does not have a full mustache. But it's like the mustache part of the stubble is definitely thicker than the beard part of the stubble. I vote no mustache. I think I think it technically qualifies as a mustache. It's not as prominent as it appears in the poster. I think I think you would have grounds to sue if you went into a restaurant and you ordered Hamel stash and and you were given Hamel stubble. I don't know. I mean, I can understand your disappointment, but it's, technically I think it meets the definition. Uh, but moving on from there, uh, so in in specifically time travel movies, time travel movies require a writer who is uh, very smart and very clever because time travel is naturally problematic and generally ends up being uh, nonsensical shit. Yeah. And the dude who wrote this movie is neither of those things. <laughs> Once again, bad guy's name, alien spelled backwards. He basically cribbed every moment of this movie from other movies and is a fucking plot device. Mark Hamill's character keeps having weird portal future fucking flashes that are yeah. never really explained or justified that literally point to the next plot point. Yeah, they're, he, he, they're explained. They're a side effect of the time travel. And he experiences these like weird visions of the near future. Things that are, that are going to happen. And uh, the people around him, if they're close enough, they get to see it too. What's wrong yeah. with that? Yeah, so it's weird. just, it is the fucking, it is the laziest, it is the laziest plot device I've ever seen in a movie. I cannot think of another movie that I can point to, to be like, okay, yeah, that was worse. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll grant you that it's lazy writing in that as much as like, we need Mark Hamill to save the day in this diner. So he'll just have a flash forward to the diner and know exactly who's going to get shot. And then when we get there, he'll know how to save them. All right, fair enough, right? It, it literally does do that several times, like you, you implied throughout the movie. 
but it's not poorly done. It's not. I mean, considering this is a direct-to-video science fiction movie from 1993, that makes as much sense as anything oh. else that would you would expect to see. Yeah, I was going to say. Now, I don't. I don't think that the movie's ineptly made. Like, I, I think all the performances are fine, and mm-hmm. you know, Mark Hamill's got his charisma, and Byron James got his charisma, and you know, it's it's good stuff. Uh, random guy sleeping in the back of the truck is. <laughs> <laughs> turns, turns, back out, of the plane? Turns, turns out to be a main fucking character and is probably I, the most interesting character somehow i fucking love that guy i love that guy just wakes up they've stolen a plane at this point he wakes up he's like what are you guys talking about aliens and shit and they're like who are you he goes I guess i'm your hostage like and now he's just part of the team for the rest of the movie right he starts and he's, he's kind shit. of the one that saves the day yeah <laughs> It's awesome. I love it. He just which which one's that's delightful. Like I'll give the writer props. That's uh, it's fucking fantastic that the random character who I can't even remember the fuck the name of that character is Carter. I want to say something like that. It doesn't you know what? I literally watched this movie like a half an hour ago and finished and I don't remember that guy's name and you're right he saves the day at the end of the movie he shoots like the main bad guy that's been chasing Mark Hamill this whole time right <laughs> it's awesome right but like like I said so my, I've got my those two big complaints I think I think the writing's lazy and I think we could have used 100% more Hamill stash but besides that I don't know it's fun it's it's entertaining it's uh i don't know it's it's good in its own weird lazy way but i don't know i like i like most of it yeah i i pretty much in agreement with you i'd I'd add to the list of complaints unnecessary slow motion just not even not even yeah it's it's like literally a moving through a crowd slow motion scene it has no At one point, like a guy gets off a helicopter and he's walking, and we have to walk him watch in slow motion. And I'm like, why? I don't. And I, I'm the movie's like an hour thirty-two, and I literally think that it's to get it over the ninety-minute mark. They're just like, we gotta they just just slow a few scenes down every now and again, and we'll go from an eighty-nine-minute movie to a ninety-two-minute movie. Oh, Solve that problem with the distributors not wanting to put it on VHS if we don't get over ninety minutes. I don't know how we could remember this. His name's Arnie. Arnie. As in Arnold. Yeah. Arnie. Yeah, so. Well, that makes yep. sense because he makes, makes friends with the girl from Commando, so. Of course. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I guess the point I was making is I kind of, I've really enjoyed the, watching this movie. It's not a good movie. It's not a particularly original movie. But if I had rented this off of the shelf in 1993, I'd have watched it twice before taking it back. Once at night, once the next morning before I had to return it. I enjoyed it. What about you, Brian? Uh, I thought it was all right. I'm a sucker yeah. for time travel stuff, so that had me hooked in. But uh, yeah, it's not going to be at the top of my time travel movie list or anything. But no, it was all right. Especially, especially if you specifically put it into that category of time travel movies. <laughs> well, the time travel played surprisingly little part in the majority of the movie like he wakes up in 92 he's like where am i he sees a, like a calendar and he's like all right give me a load of the jacket then 
I'll just uh, spend the rest of my time trying to solve the problems here. It's weird. It's like, even though, like, yes, he's he's solving a future problem through his time travel, he's just spending the whole movie in 92, walking around, you know, talking and looking like it's 1992. <laughs> yeah, no challenges of, like, I don't understand this crazy device. No. How does this phone work? There's There was a couple of lines of dialogue where it was like, um, he's, like, asking for some piece of equipment, and he stops himself and goes, oh, no, wait, do you have a phone? Do you have a telephone? Like, he knows he knows enough to know that the technology he's looking for doesn't exist yet, and he either remembers or has heard of the old technology. So that's, you know, yeah. considering the laziness of some of the other writing, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, truth be told, I almost fell asleep during this movie, but... I don't. I don't think it's necessarily the movie's fault. Yeah, I no. I maybe partially the movie's fault. I would say it's fun, but not necessarily exciting. Yeah, there tends to be pretty long gaps between some of the action stuff, and that's for the type of movie it is. You don't want those long gaps. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's weird because it's one of these ones where it's like nobody loves this movie, but nobody seems to hate it. It's like, yeah. In a world where, like, yeah, you know, I'll watch anything with Mark Hamill in it. I don't regret watching um, this at all. Yeah. Like, I had to rent this. If it was on Tubi, though, and, like, like what Doug likes to do, where he's watching a movie and then it ends and just goes right into the next movie. This was the next movie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the channel. <laughs> just whatever. Tubi <laughs> said I should watch this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't it know. is it is kind of depressing that somehow between uh, Mark Hamill being in Star Wars and Mark Hamill becoming the god of voice acting, man, he did a whole string of like unimpressive movies. <laughs> well, I was wondering. I'm I was trying to put the timeline together in my head without you know bothering to just look stuff up. Like, was he the Joker in 1993? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, sh- that show started in 91. Yeah. So he was making his living doing that, right? And these movies were kind of his sidekick, which is kind of weird. It is sort of weird that he has this like string of movies that like I didn't see most of Mark Hamill's oeuvre in the late 80s and early 90s until like I was older and started actively seeing. I think like I saw, I'm not even sure if I've ever seen Time Runner before. I don't think I have before today and i never saw a slipstream until like 98 or something so it's kind of a weird uh, a weird thing that i wouldn't have been watching all of the mark hamill movies you'd think i'd be walking through the video store and picking them up as they were being released yeah i don't know i don't know if i have a lot to say about this movie <laughs> <laughs> the problem is it's it's okay that's about yeah. it yeah it's it's extremely mediocre. Yeah. I thought the um I thought the special effects for the battle scenes in the future part were pretty well done. Yeah, this surprisingly wasn't terrible. I figured like it was just going to be god awful, but Yeah. Weirdly it was like the like the people running around shooting each other parts was not great. I thought the, like the spaceships and stuff and the like 
ships flying over and shooting lasers down on the city, that stuff looked good, which seems like it'd be a lot harder and more expensive I, to pull off. I was going to say, the shooting stuff through the whole movie is, uh, I don't know, troublesome? Because who whoever was in charge of that stuff, I don't think they understand how a gun shoots, what a gun sounds like, or how much damage a gun does whenever a bullet hits something. Okay. That's a fair criticism. <laughs> but that's just a general criticism of action movies from the 90s overall. That This one just fits into that category, right? I, I suppose, but every gunshot sounds like, wow. <laughs> wow. It sounds like somebody making a gunshot noise into one of those old, uh, what were they called, uh, zoom tubes? The big tubes with the spring in it that parents used to buy for their kids because in the 80s, that was considered a toy. <laughs> of course. I don't know. I don't think the sound effects bugged me as much as anything. There was definitely the moment in the diner when Mark Hamill's holding the gun up and shooting, and it. I noticed he doesn't like, there's no kickback on that gun whatsoever. And it made me think that he, because he probably practiced so much shooting a blaster, and laser guns don't have a kickback the way a regular gun does. So. <laughs> <laughs> His Jedi training helped him in this situation. Really, it really made me feel that way. I don't know. All, all I can imagine now is a director screaming at him after 20 takes, It's not a laser gun! It moves! Make the hand movement. Can't I just shoot blanks? No, it's not the budget. We're just going to paint in muzzle flashes. <laughs> ah, so funny. Yeah. So it's... anyway, Time Runner. Watch it, maybe. If you have yeah. time to feel like it. <laughs> or don't. We're not the sure boss don't. of you. It's not going to hurt you not to watch it. It's not going to hurt you to watch it. It's got Mark Hamill in it. Uh, this, this is going to be the saddest episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to watch Mark Hamill in a movie? Yeah. Then this is this is one of them. It sure is. <laughs> I, I, I this will, movie's I cast say, would be accurate. The weirdest thing is of these two movies, this was the one I thought I was going to be into. And, and it was just kind of all right. I'll see. I'll... Well, I'll let the cat. I think I preferred this one to the other one. I will say that um, I definitely preferred this one to the other one. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. This one too, was just a fun, dumb, direct video action sci fi type movie. And that's. I, I like that sort of thing. I enjoy watching those. Back when there wasn't so much content available and you had to actually, like, pick movies out. I watched a lot of these types of movies and I enjoyed them and I still kind of like going back to them. But maybe we'll get, is it time to like just transition into our discussion of Slipstream? Do you want to give us a plot description, Noah, and then we'll, uh, sure. Details. Uh, so there was, there was some kind of weird geological, uh, apocalypse that caused, I, I, it doesn't exactly explain it, but basically psychotic tectonic shifting where, you know, a small village in China all of a sudden is 20 miles away from uh, buttfuck Illinois somehow, which doesn't, it doesn't entirely make sense, but that's what we're going with. Uh, mm -hmm. The world is also ravaged by a super low, super powerful jet stream called the Slipstream, 
which people navigate around on. And if you think that's a stupid fucking sci-fi uh, thing, then I say, as long as you don't like Snowpiercer, <laughs> then you're fine. <laughs> if you like Snowpiercer and you bitch about any sci-fi thing being dumb, then then you're you're unentitled. <laughs> you cannot do that. Anymore. <laughs> Uh, we have Mark Hamill and his partner played by blonde chick whose name I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, think that, I think that's her given name. Yeah, I think that's... We don't have to refer to her by that every time, but yeah, I think that's basically what it is. Who are slipstream bounty hunter cops? Yep. <laughs> that's correct. Well, they, have, they have badges, so... They have badges. I don't know. Yeah. In the synopsis, they're referred to as police officers. And they are arresting a uh, murderer, quote fingers. Uh, Murderer turns out to be an android. Mm -hmm. What? Uh, Their prisoner is abducted by Bill fucking Paxton. In which, another weird thing, this top billing on this movie is Mark Hamill on every single thing I've seen. And Bill Paxton is by far the main character. I don't get that. (laughs) Uh, uh, his, his partner's uh, character's name is Belitsky. That helps. Uh, but Paxton and Android basically set off originally with the intent being that Paxton's going to turn in this wanted criminal, make a bunch of money, and open up a balloon farm. Uh, very, very literally. <laughs> and, and it basically turns into kind of like a one of those learning to be friends movies where they go from interesting town to interesting town, slowly learning about each other. And then the Android learns to love. And that's pretty much it. And then there's, there's some shit at the end where the Android (laughs) fucks Mark Hamill's life up. (laughs) Just pretty great. Um, Yeah. So I thought this movie was long, boring, and meandering. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't super bored by it. Only because the th- the three main characters, the the dude who plays the android, Bill Paxton, and Mark Hamill, they're all so good that I was pretty engaged as long as one of them was on the screen doing something. I will say it comes off as pretentious because it's one of those ones where the android's constantly spouting like Tolstoy and shit and it's supposed to be some kind of weird reference to the human condition and whether or not an android is a human because he can feel android can feel well he sleeps at some point and has a dream so yeah. he does and that's because he fucked somebody yeah. it's a little weird because you'd think if he knows like it's if he's an android to the point where he's like, cause he's willingly going to get, go in and be tried for the murder that he committed or whatever. Right. Which and they never explain. No, but whatever it happened before the movie started. So it doesn't really matter. But so, he, but it's like, if he's, he's just going along with it cause it's just the thing to do. Right. But then he, when he ends up having sex with the woman, you're like, so either he's, like humanish, where he can have sex and have feelings and emotions and everything, or he's a robot. But you're kind of playing it up like he's a robot that, like, he didn't know he could have sex until now. It's weird. Yeah. 
Because, like, I think both of you guys are right, just to get my opinion of the movie out there. Is, okay. like, it was slow and meandering, and the three leads are charismatic and do a good job of holding your attention. So, for me, it was, like, at the beginning, like, Mark Hamill shows up looking really badass with that beard, and, like, they do a good job of making him look like a future bounty hunter. I really liked it. Um yeah, with his big, his big flared collar bomber jacket trench coat thing. Yeah, yeah, that thing's it. pretty cool. And you know, so he's got that going, and then like right away he's shooting a guy through the arm with a grappling hook. I'm pretty impressed right away. And I'm like, okay, this is starting out really good. And then fucking Bill Paxton shows up, and he's just being Bill Paxton, right? He's just fucking like hitting on chicks and acting all goofy. And then when he finally ends up grabbing the prisoner running and now i'm like oh so this is going to be a chase movie i haven't seen this movie in like you know, decades so i'm like i don't remember what it's about i'm like oh he's going to be it's going to be a chase movie we're going to mark hamill chasing bill paxton around for the rest of the movie i'm like that's fucking awesome i'm in for this this is like i'm really enjoying the movie at this point but then it it slows right down and it becomes a different kind of movie and it's i don't think there's any scene in the movie that i didn't like it just felt like the whole time I'm like, why isn't Mark Hamill chasing these guys right now? That's what ought to be happening. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, it, it, sh- it was too long, and there should have been more shooting. Yeah, like it, it, and it turns in, <laughs> like the 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 plot line of the android. Like, if you want this to be a movie about they become friends and the android, we we have that debate, which I am always in favor of having that discussion of when does you know, an AI or an Android or whatever become human. That's very, very interesting discussion to me. And I love the idea of attacking it in movies, but if you want it to be that movie, then you just have him interacting with like, either, like one of those two characters. You don't have your chase movie and that movie going on simultaneously. It doesn't really make sense and it doesn't really work. So like, to me, it's like they, they, it's almost like they didn't know which movie they wanted to make. Do you want to make this action movie about guys chasing each other around and these cool plane things? Or do you want to make this, you know, semi-dramatic science fiction movie about this deeper subject matter? Yeah, I'd also say, so despite despite the cheese, right? Because this is obviously a, a, a low-ass budget. Yeah. Weird world sci-fi movie. The fucking world building in this so good like i dig this weird windy fucking existence where like everybody like lives in caves and shit to stay out of the wind and and, uh like the the crazy tribe of religious nutbags that they uh bump into that like crucify the robot man on a kite like i i don't know that kind of stuff i'm just like fuck yes i really really like this (laughs) yeah when they bounced around like every again like every i liked almost every scene in this movie individually i liked each tribe they met like they go to bill paxton's hometown and it's like you know it's a bunch of trailer trash trailer trash living there they're all like kind of low-level criminals and shit you're like okay and then they go to like you know the the fucking wind worshiping people that crucify robots when they eventually stumble across that like town of rich people that are fucking like living it up 
and have st they still have electricity and shit, and they're like the only ones that still have all this, and they just keep the door locked, and they sit in there and have giant parties all day long, and Bill Paxton just naturally uses his charm to start banging one of the chicks there, and she's like <laughs> complaining about being, she's doing like the, the rich girl thing of complaining about, oh, every night it's just the same party, and he's like, do you have any fucking idea what's going on out there in the rest of the world? This place is awesome, right? <laughs> and it's it turns into a whole thing, and I'm like, all those individually all those places were fun to visit and i liked the road trip element of the movie but every time i'm like why isn't mark hamill showing up and shooting somebody like he's supposed to be shooting somebody right now he had that big cool gun earlier <laughs> yeah uh we should also mention the very opening of this movie this is a complete uh ripoff of uh north by northwest oh yeah yeah Let's call it an homage, considering the quality sure. of people involved. Sure. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, one of them is a robot, sir. <laughs> totally different. He is even dressed like the guy in North Park Northwest, though. Yeah. What's why I was like, when it was opening, I'm like, okay, just sort of this uh, barren, not barren, but because there's a lot of like grass and stuff, but just like this wide open like area. And a guy just running along in a suit. I'm like, that's kind of a cool, like, visual of supposed to be a futuristic, like, you know, dystopian type thing. Like, what the fuck's going on here? And then the plane comes, and I'm like, oh, north by northwest. Gotcha. What do you guys think of the cool plane things that are like, they're like these solar-powered planes, but then they can also just drift in this slipstream? I thought that was a neat idea. It was all right. I liked it. I mean, the power glider, you need power to go upstream and you can kind of just glide downstream. <laughs> I, just, I just like how the, we need to get into the slipstream. They said the name of it, the movie like 10 times. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I just can't get over. So, so I, I agree with Brian that, that there's a lot of boring bits in the movie, but you guys got to admit the last fight between uh, Robo Man and fucking Mark Hamill is so fucking good. Super fun. I don't know if good's the right word. Oh my god, what's not good about it? He like dives into his plane guts. <laughs> it just manhandles them. And then they have a weird cockpit fight where he just about kills Mark Hamill and Mark Hamill says some Tolstoy shit. And thinks that it's going to, you know, bring him back to be a nice, civilized robot man. And he starts steering the plane. And Mark Hamill's like, yeah, you're going to save us. Woo! And then he flies straight into a fucking rock. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that it was uh, the look of the robot after the crash was very good. It's, you know, <laughs> a solid five years after Terminator, they were definitely not up to par with the special effects of having somebody's flesh torn off to expose a robot underneath not not at all <laughs> it's, instead they had him like Daffy, Daffy Duck after getting shot by Elmer Fudd blackened <laughs> <laughs> surprisingly accurate <laughs> yeah like I didn't hate this movie at all I, I just feel like it was I feel like there was two different movies going on and you need to make one or the other. You know, either have have your story about a lawman walking, bringing a robot back and they become friends and you have this discussion of 
whether he should should or shouldn't turn him in, and or you make your chase movie with Mark Hamill chasing Bill Paxton around. Also, also a great movie, but it can't be both. I I agree with that. Yeah. I mean this this movie could be a better movie, but I also think that this if you're if you like cheap shitty sci-fi like I do. I, this one's so fun. Like, I, well, I don't know. And that's, I, just, that's I dig likely the difference. Bits of it. Yeah. That's li- likely the difference is that you're way more interested in cheap, shitty sci fi than the rest of us. And that's probably why you like this movie. Yeah. I, I think it's really I, probably the difference between me and you guys is I get so stoked over cool world building in a movie. And, and Slipstream actually does a pretty fucking good job of it. No, I, I agree with that. I think the I think the established world is neat. The idea of this like semi-apocalyptic future, where it's like they do a good job of setting it up, where it's like parts of society have kind of survived, and there's that that whole opening scene where they're at a diner. I'm like, it's kind of neat because it's still just a diner, even though <laughs> guys are flying in with like it's kind of like a truck stop, except everybody glides in on their planes that can fly out of the slipstream. <laughs> I thought that was well done. My one concern with it all was the dialogue was very of its time of 1989. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. shouldn't you be going out of your way to have them speak differently if this is supposed to be a future? And that, that again, that's probably because the movie was in 1989. If this movie was made in, in modern era, you'd have like the different cultures speaking different languages and stuff. Agreed. I also think they, they dropped the ball with the plot a little bit in never explaining what murder the robot committed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the weird thing. I, were, were we to assume he killed like whoever his master was? I, I don't know. See, at first I thought it was going to be something like it turned out to be assisted suicide, that the master was old yeah. and couldn't do it himself and asked the robot to do it for him. But that's a no-no, so now the robot's going to die. Regardless of, regardless of what exactly happened, it's, he committed a murder. Right, that's not really up for debate. I think the movie is pretty clear about that. So it's more a question of like, so he committed this murder, but he's also really helpful to society, and that seems to be where the debate comes in. Is like, should we just let him go because he's knows how to fix air conditioning and nobody else does? Yeah, I was trying to. My problem with them not explaining it is you're trying to because he's so. Uh for for lack of a better word robotic <laughs> yeah through the first part of the movie where you're finding it hard to believe like he clearly didn't kill somebody in anger because he doesn't get angry <laughs> like, well i think i think what they're trying to say is that he's always had this emotion underneath and that it came out once and he lashed out and killed somebody and then he kind of resuppressed it and then it comes back out throughout the course of the movie with him meeting this woman and stuff. That's the idea, I think. I just don't. Right. Right. And, and maybe that's true. And, and I think that's a good arc. But in order for that arc to work, we have to know that's what happened with the first murder. Yeah, it should. It, you're not wrong that they should have given us more detail on that. Yeah, it's real. That That's strange. I feel like it leaves everything very unresolved. I, I would have rather you found out anything. I mean, it doesn't matter. Maybe he was innocent and didn't do it, or maybe it's completely justified or explainable or anything like that. It, and then you get to the end of the movie, 
where the robot totally kills a guy. But once again, it's totally justified. Fucking Mark Campbell's character fucking killed killed that chick. Fucking yeah. fuck him. Well, Mark Campbell's character it also is like he's your typical like action hero cop who's like just just kills lots of people and he's just fine with it and doesn't feel any remorse. And that's obviously intended to serve as like a, a counterpoint to the robot who has committed this like one grievance and is willing to take the heat for it. Like, but when Mark Hamill wipes out all the people on like where Bill Paxton's from, just cause they're like stealing food and shit. And he's like, oh, whatever, they're all scum. They're all, you know what I mean? It's, they're obviously saying like, he's not a good guy cause he's a cop. So don't get, get that out of your head kind of thing. And just, uh, be more open to the idea that the bad guy could be the good guy and the good guy could be the bad guy, which is pretty deep for a 1989 sci-fi movie. Ryan, you're saying uh, nothing. You were really bored during this one. I you? was very bored. I was scrolling on my phone because I got so bored with this movie. Okay. But, but Bill Paxton. I know, and that's disappointing. <sighs> I was so... I was. You guys do not understand how excited I was when Bill Paxton popped up, because I I didn't look at IMDb or anything before I started watching it. I was like, "Woo, Bill Paxton!" <laughs> What's the thing is, I didn't, I don't remember Bill Paxton being in this movie from the one time I saw it twenty years ago, which is shocking because you'd think like his performance is big and boisterous, and he's got that fucking long hair and he's dressed up as he kind of like is dressed as MacGyver. The whole movie, and you're like, okay, I'm enjoying this. I, I enjoy his performance quite a bit. I think he's just a fun character to be around. All right, Brian literally has nothing. I literally have nothing. I did not enjoy this movie. Uh, I was disappointed because I love Bill Paxton. I love Mark Hamill. You don't even seem to have criticisms, though. You're just like boring. Like I said. Long, boring, and meandering. Yeah, definitely, definitely meandering. It almost feels like this movie should have either been, if you're, if you're gonna make a movie that's this like long and boring, and you're just gonna concentrate on the world building and have them, it should have been made ten years earlier. If this movie was a '70s movie with that sort of aesthetic, it might work better. Yeah. If this. If this was a 70s movie, it would have ended with all the good guys dead, and at the end, Mark Hamill would have pulled his face off, and he would have been an android the entire time. No, they would have just implied that he was an android. They would have left it open-ended, though. And then there would have been a, a creepy, sweeping uh, soundtrack over it. Yeah. Dun, 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 and then it would have zoomed out, and the credits would have rolled. <laughs> but that sort of thing is more suiting and, to their like road trip movie that they ended up making this sort of make it darker, make it a little more serious. If you want us to have these more, just these deeper discussions. Right. I was going to say, as opposed to this movie's actual end credits, which is a montage of fancy hot air balloons. <laughs> Cause once again, all Bill Paxton wants to do is open up a ranch where he builds and sells hot air balloons. Well, those would probably be pretty important in a world where everybody travels on a slipstream. No, I'm sure they would be, and it's and it's a completely admirable <laughs> thing to want to do, and all that kind of stuff. It's just so f- fucking silly, like it's just so weird about, and silly. And especially at the end, 
at the end, whenever it actually shows the balloons and you're like, oh, those are way sillier. They're way <laughs> sillier than I was thinking, because I was thinking normal hot air balloons. There's a, there's a quality moment where he's explaining his plan to retire to his ranch and he's drawing it in the sand. And he literally draws like a little stick figure person, a little like one of those stick figure houses that's just a triangle over a square. And then he starts drawing balloons all around it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Oh, I enjoyed that part. That was probably my my favorite part of the movie was watching him draw that. And then somebody's like, well, what if you had kids? And he starts drawing like a little kid over there with a small balloon. <laughs> you know what I think it is? I'm currently reading a Batman arc. that has a very similar story, I guess. Really? Yeah, Batman wants to open his own balloon farm. Okay. No. Uh, Batman has to take Two-Face 500 miles to some house thing. They they haven't revealed where he's going yet, but he has to drop him off somewhere uh, in custody. And Two-Face has put out the word that if if, uh, somebody frees him, uh, he will give them the wealth of the top three mobsters in Gotham City, so like the Penguin and whoever else. Um, but if he doesn't get released, he has all this like blackmail info on a bunch of high-ranking city officials and criminals and stuff, and it will be released to the internet if you know he's not. Uh, if if nobody gets him out of Batman's grasp, and so like. Two minutes into the trip, Batman's plane gets shot down, and then he has to traverse the next however many hundreds of miles, yeah. however he can, with Two-Face in tow, while every criminal in Gotham is basically after them. And I feel like that's a much more fun story than the one that this one was. Because there's actual people chasing him, like you said. Mark Hamill is is not showing up and shooting nearly enough. Yeah. Yeah. So like maybe, again, I, I think this would have worked better as just an action movie and concentrate on that chase more. Yeah. You edit, a, you edit out kind of the, the guy doesn't even really need to be an Android. You just eliminate that whole discussion, make two separate movies out of this. Yeah. So maybe that's, I'm enjoying the story that I'm reading a lot more than the one I'm watching. Or maybe that's my disconnect. Could be it. All right, anything else before we move on, I guess? I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird recommend. I, I totally recommend this if you're into <laughs> low-budget sci-fi movies and you're stoked to see Bill Paxton and Mark Hamill playing off of each other. I, I'd recommend this if you've listened to everything we've said and you still want to watch it. I don't, I don't think people who are really into it would be disappointed. I just don't. I don't know that I'd recommend it to somebody who wasn't already interested in it. Like if you hear, if you hear the description of it and you're not interested, it, it won't grab your attention. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you.
Uh, so what did everybody watch since the last episode? Things. Uh, actually, we had a piece of feedback. Oh, we did. Oh, I shit. Forgot. I forgot. Are you going to edit this out or are you going to leave it in that you forgot? Oh, I'll leave it in that I forgot. It's fine. Right. I need to vamp <laughs> while I pull up the, the email anyway. I got it. Oh, I know do it, you want to read it? Remember that time that Brian forgot the email? That's how I was going to vamp. So from Kent, uh, Terre Haute Kent. He says, hey, guys, if you want to see a ridiculous kung fu movie with a strange cast of characters, check out The Buddhist Fist. It's my favorite older kung fu movie. Anything and everything is a lethal weapon in the film. And the bad guy has the trademark of one foot being larger than the other. It's great. (laughs) Hope you all have a great holiday season. Formerly Terre Haute Kent. Formerly. Apparently he's no longer in Terre Haute. Uh, he hasn't nice. lived in Terre Haute for a while. No. I, I think he now he's like, his name. He's, he's like Indianapolis Terrible. Kent or something, but it doesn't roll off the tongue as, as nice as Terre Haute Indy. Kent. Oh. In, Indy Kent. Yeah. Uh, and I remember that because that very specifically, I watched the Buddhist fist. Yeah. Based on Kent's recommendation. Uh, it's pretty good. I liked it. So the story is, there is a, a little boy who is best friends with another little boy who's in training to be a Shaolin monk. Uh, and they grow up learning Kung Fu together. The one son goes off to do whatever the fuck he does. Uh, the monk stays behind. We get a vignette of a bad guy who has used a woman to get a monk drunk and then have sex with him. And then the bad guy kills the woman (laughs) in order to frame the monk for the murder in order to manipulate the monk into committing crimes for him. Seems like a lot of work. Yes. Yeah, it is extremely over-convoluted. It's ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, And it doesn't show the monk's face because we're not supposed to know who this monk is that just got manipulated into doing crimes. Even though, once again, the two main characters are a guy and his best friend who was a child in training to be a Shaolin monk. Hint, hint. Oh, wink, wink. <laughs> uh, other dude comes back to town. His godfather who raised him has gone missing. And he's basically doing an investigation to figure that out. Meanwhile, there's crimes being committed. Uh, there's a pretty sweet fight with uh, the stereotypical like old drunken master guy who's protecting a jade Buddha statue, and we get to see him and a ninja go at it, which is delightful. Nice. Uh, and then it just kind of goes from there. So the, the movie's it's got a plot to it, but it's kind of loosey-goosey <laughs> a, a little bit with how they get to where they're going. Uh, but of course, it turns out that the father's been kidnapped and that there's this evil shop owner guy who's been manipulating everyone. Uh, the big confrontation at the end, of course, is the two friends now have to fight because he finds out that it was his his friend, the Shaolin monk who abducted his dad and did all these terrible things and 
they have a pretty epic fairly long drawn out fight at the end of the movie like it's it's a significant portion of the movie is this last fight which the good guy of course wins but in the end we have a flashback through the fight where we see that the monk was actually the better fighter and intentionally through the fight he could have beaten the guy several times mm. and their old master who taught them kung fu is watching all the while and Basically, he's like, ah, you know, he he may be dead, but he finally learned the truth of Kung Fu. You know, and it's like. <laughs> that doesn't do me good now. You know, you know, those endings. Uh, yeah. So, no, it was it was fun. Fight choreography was pretty good. It's not the best I've ever seen, but but it's not bad. It was it was delightful. I liked it. Nice. Uh, other than that, all I've been watching is more ECW wrestling. <laughs> you know what's funny? I was watching, uh, you know, Time Runner right before we recorded. And uh, we were towards the end of the movie. And I was like, I had to look something up real quick. I'm just like, oh, I wonder what this is. Looked it up and then somehow got got onto my Facebook and someone had posted a video of when the Sandman returned to ECW from WCW. <laughs> and it was like a video from the crowd. So I clicked on it and watched that. And it has to be one of the loudest cheers I've ever seen in my entire life. When the lights go out and the spotlight comes on and he's just standing there. Everybody goes absolutely fucking nuts. So, so then I had to rewind to the end of Time Runner because I had missed what was going on. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't, I, I don't dislike Sandman, but I, I don't know. I, I never understood how he's got some fans that are just like fucking diehard. Like he is the best goddamn thing in the world, and it's like, is he though? <laughs> like. I think he's just one of those guys like ECW fans just really, really like the originals. Mm. He's just one of those guys that's been there since the beginning. Maybe. Uh, my rewatch, I just keep, I keep hoping. I, I'm like, I don't know when RVD shows up. Mm -hmm. But I'm super excited for that someday. Because I know he was, he was the champion whenever they switched TV shows. Whenever they went from the the janky TV show to the uh, one that was on uh, T TBS TNN. TNN TNN thank you which became Spike and is now the Paramount Network right uh, oh, what was I gonna say I don't remember are you gonna are you gonna get through all this before your uh, your one month for one dollar runs out no no uh. there's no chance in hell I've even I've even started uh, skimming boring matches because once again, we're, we're back in the real early days where yeah. a lot of the wrestlers they had were not good wrestlers. <laughs> so I'll, I'll skim those. I watch all the promos and I watch all the uh, fights that seem to actually have some uh, weight to them. It is interesting to see. So with doing that, I'm getting through them a lot faster because the original ones, they were only like 45 minute episodes so if I skim it, it probably only takes 20 minutes to get through it. Mm -hmm. And you can see the shift from the first episode to when Paul Heyman shows up 
to all of a sudden Paul Heyman in the credits, if you pay attention, all of a sudden is an executive producer on the show. And right at that spot, like the storylines start getting more interesting. The, 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 the matches are all crazy right now. Like every fucking match ends with 20 dudes running down to the ring and it turning into a brawl. Which, <laughs> That's easy for you. Oh my God. Which almost gets fucking old. You're like, come on guys. Like every, you can actually fucking finish a match every fucking once in a while. It's okay. Not every, not every match has to end with a manager interfering and all that kind of stuff. There can be normal matches. Yeah. I started watching uh, MLW, which, uh, was originally started right after WCW closed, and then they took like fifteen years off, and then just within the last couple of years started up again. Uh, and I'm just watching some of the newer episodes on YouTube, and uh, they brought back the Opera Cup, which I didn't know what that was. Um, this is the sec- second year they're doing it, what and is so it's like a trophy, like a cup. But they were talking about it on the show, and apparently this was like an old territories thing. And this specific cup, the last person to hold it before they brought it back was Stu Hart back in like the late 40s. Wow. So I was like, holy shit. So apparently last year they started it, and they have a tournament every year to determine who's going to win it. And I'm a sucker for a tournament, so... I've been watching that and it's been a lot of fun. So getting into MLW, which is uh, one of the bigger indie promotions. So anybody that we would have heard of, um, probably the washouts. Now their world, the world champion right now is Jacob Fatu, who is Rikishi's nephew. Okay. Um, And their tag team champions are the Von Eriks, who are the two sons of Kevin Von Erich, the only one that he's left alive. Um, oh, really? And one of them wrestles barefoot, just like Kevin did, of course. I, I didn't even know they had uh, profe- actually started professionally wrestling. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. There's a couple others. If you've been watching wrestling for like the last 10 years or so, there's other people in there. Uh, like Loki and uh, ACH and stuff who were known a lot for impact wrestling back in the day. And then ACH was in ring of honor up till about five years ago. So there's people they're just, uh, Oh, one of their, one of their big people who I think just left cause he's going to AEW was uh, Brian Pillman jr. Oh really? Yeah. So he's, he used to wrestle for him. Now he's doing some stuff for AEW. They were talking because he was actually on uh, Dynamite on Wednesday. And they were actually talking because he wrestled against Jericho in like this tag team match. That uh, they had a memorial, like a memorial show for when his dad died. And he was four years old and Jericho wrestled on that show. And now they're wrestling against each other, which was just hmm. interesting. So. Hmm. Wrestling, y'all, it's kind of weird. Right. I was going to say, the most exciting thing that's happened in the ECW since all that is uh, they brought in uh, Road Warrior Hawk. Oh, okay. This is when him and and Animal split for a while. Yeah, I was going to say, it was 
and it's 93 or something like that. So I was thinking about this. Isn't this about the time that they went back to WCW? Uh, don't know. Yes, it's not that far off, but yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be close. In which he, you know, he does. He does fine on his own. It's that magic of those two together was just something. Although whenever he popped up, I was like, oh, yeah, now I need to watch some Road Warrior matches. So I just hopped online and looked up some of the better ones that I like. I I get why people love them and I get why they're crowd favorites and, uh, you know, they can really move. But, man, they were some stiff, no selling motherfuckers like <laughs> they always were. Oh, yeah. I, I, I get why I had always heard stories about how other tag teams didn't particularly like working with them. And I was like, oh, you know what? Now that I'm older and more seasoned and like know what I'm looking for. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You knew the, you knew you were having a rough night if you had to wrestle them. Right. Well, just because the no, I get. I get what they were going for with the no sell. You know what I mean? Cause it's just to tr- make them a monster. You know what I mean? They're a monster mm. team and, and they're supposed to be these unbeatable behemoths to be knocked down. But man, if you do it all the fucking time, I bet that just pisses everybody. Right? <laughs> Cause they're like, come on, you have to like make, put me over a little bit here. So that was interesting. And then uh, I took a break to watch. I watched the first two episodes of WCW Nitro. Oh yeah, the, just because the, the the big surprise when Lex Luger shows up. Yeah, yeah, I was like, let's let's just check this out, and it was pretty interesting. the The thing I was most excited to see is uh, Sting in his old gimmick. Oh before, yeah, before before he turned into emo Sting, Surfer Sting. Yeah, <laughs> you can call it Surfer Sting. I I call him uh uh stolen gimmicks sting oh where did he steal well he stole rick flair's woo and turned it into the crow he stole macho man's outfits he stole <laughs> the uh, uh ultimate warrior's face paint he stole uh, the face paint is arguable because they were a tag team together his uh his his power up stuff in the ring is 100% stolen from Hulk Hogan. Yeah. I, I mean, he, it's just don't, and don't get me wrong. Sting's a fantastic wrestler. Yeah. And once you put all of the stolen pieces together, <laughs> they become a <laughs> semi unique wrestler. It's just, they're all stolen pieces. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that, I, I don't know. I think the thing I forgot is because I'm so used to after, you know, the WCW days where he was getting older, watching old man sting wrestler wrestle in which he was uh, a little more deliberate and slower. He still had the big moves and stuff, but but man, he used to do whenever he was still the stinger, the those bounce ups and fucking those crazy power moves were that his gorilla press slams and stuff were just inhuman. He would throw humongous guys. Like they were made out of nothing. <laughs> it always looked so good. He was a great powerhouse wrestler. Well, he's not that powerful. Cause RoboCop had to come help him that one time to get out of a cage. 
Uh, oh. Did you know that the crow gimmick was Scott Hall's idea? No, I did not. Uh, so what they're doing this NWO stuff, like Scott Hall came up with this idea for the whole crow gimmick. And basically, like, you know, basically just laid the entire thing out for him. Like, you know, you'll basically won't wrestle for like six months and you'll just be the Phantom of the Opera guy sitting up in the rafters the whole time. But with like the crow makeup on. And like, yeah. And that basically gave him like an entire second half of his career. It, it really did. That whole like plot line of like the two stings and then mm. the, uh, the sort of like. He was there to save WCW, but still didn't want to be friendly with the other WCW guys. That was mm-hmm. all really cool. It was all really well done. Yeah. Yeah, that's when it was amazing. Like, you just turn in every week. You're like, what the fuck is going to happen? Oh, I used to love it, too. Whenever the lights would go out, pop back up, and he's in the ring pointing the bat at somebody. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah. <laughs> you done fucked up now. <sighs> And he'd give somebody the bat and turn around and they wouldn't do anything and then he'd just take the back and take the bat and leave and you're like, What the fuck was all that? The ironic part with that was I was just still a Hogan fan from the old days, so I was always cheering for the NWO throughout the whole thing. Everybody was. I you know what the funny thing is? I think the reason why I didn't like the NWO is at some point I remember being uh, a Hulk Hogan fan whenever I was really young, like early WrestleManias, <laughs> you know what I, you know what I mean? Like WrestleMania five Hulk Hogan fan. And, and then at some point I fucking hate Hulk Hogan. I hate him. I hate his fucking no fucking move. having ass <laughs> fucking his shitty ass ring work. You know, He's uh, it, something about I think it drives me nuts that he's the most popular wrestler in history and he's not a good wrestler. <laughs> he sucks. <laughs> most really popular wrestlers are not that good at wrestling. When you think about it, or even if they are, they don't act that way in the ring. At least uh, at least like John Cena was very self-aware about it. He used, to, he used to call his move set the five moves of doom. Well, and he would he would do it on mic too, which made it even better. And and that's true, but you know, at least Cena like can throw a suplex or something on somebody. Oh, totally. <laughs> like like Hulk Hogan's move set, it's not even like that he doesn't do a lot of moves. It's the few moves that he does do are shitty non-moves there's the whole throw them in the corner and stand on the second rope and then gently punch them in the head do an arm bar then kind of look at the crowd and give them the yeah yeah that's right right headlock test of strength like <laughs> big moves wait when the like the hardcore arrow was coming i remember one time hogan was responsible for throwing a guy over the top rope into some tables or whatever and it was like he hip tossed him over the top rope and I'm thinking that's the best he's got like that's, that's what he can do <laughs> right <laughs> like everybody else is doing like cool suplexes off the top of the ropes on, to the outside and shit and he's like I got a hip toss over the ropes and you're kind of responsible for getting yourself over those ropes because his hips aren't as high as the ropes so it doesn't make any sense yeah yeah it always, it always drove me nuts and his like I mean his finishing moves a fucking standing leg drop yeah like, <laughs> 
Yeah, the biggest damn leg drop in history, though. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. You know, but... wrestling's not real, right? It's really not about who's the better athlete. I well, no, I understand that, but I'm ta- I, I'm talking strictly from like a performance standpoint. You've got wrestlers who are mid tier good guys, like like Don Morocco and people like that, who his finishing move was like a one-armed pile driver, which was really fucking impressive. <laughs> and then you've got Hulk doing a leg drop. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, he always gave him that boot to the face first. Right. Big boot, big leg drop. I like that uh, Nash and stuff that we've talked about in interviews that uh, Hogan had no idea how to be a bad guy. They had to, like, coach him through that entire NWO scenario. Well, it had um, been fucking 20 years of being the baby face at that point. Sure. It's just that he had turned, and then they were gonna they were filming those, uh, uh, like, those black and white uh, yeah. promos they used to do. And he's like, we had to do, like, a billion takes because out of nowhere, Hogan would bust into the, well, let I'm me tell you something. You brother. Well, let me, yeah, brother, brother, brother. And he's like, no, like, you're not doing brother. That's not, that's not your persona now. Like, you can't do that. You're, if you call someone brother, then you're the other guy. Yeah, your pro, your promos have to become a lot more sophisticated and stuff like that. And they, what's funny about that is when I, my memory of those promos is that Hogan really carried them. Like, he was excellent in them. So yeah. I have no idea how many takes it took to get that good. <laughs> But once he was going, he just he nailed it. Apparently, it was a lot, and Nash was responsible for. And he'd be doing, he'd be doing that. that little thing where he'd like, or he'd play the belt like a guitar. It's oh, yeah. just stupid as hell. But it, uh, I fucking I fucking dug Hollywood. Over. Yeah, and then Nash would talk about how the the company was so just like, like he they have producers setting stuff up, and they'd be like, oh yeah, we got these NWO shirts. It's going to be great. Like we're going to have them at the stands like after the thing and Nash would have to be like, why are you going to have our merchandise at your booth? Like we're invading you guys. That doesn't make any damn sense. Right. So there literally should be a, a separate booth with fucking uh, the newest member, probably X Pac or something. Well, literally a hall and Nash would, would take a van and uh, be outside the arena when everybody left and would be selling shirts out of the back of a van. It's just it, like, that's fu- in which that's genius too. As far as like uh, keeping up kayfabe and you know that kind yeah. of stuff to to keep the illusion alive. Yeah. So so mildly off topic. When I went and saw sure. the Trailer Park Boys live once, they had like so they were at like the theater downtown and across the street from the theater is the old movie theater that's shut down, and they had one of the like lesser known characters from the show. He was just standing out there with literally like a cardboard box flipped over with his own T-shirts on it. And he was just screaming up and down the street like, this is fucking bullshit. I drove all the way here from the park and they won't let me be in the fucking show. Buy my T-shirt so I can at least get home. He was just in full character screaming and yelling in the middle of the street, selling the T-shirts for cash only off a cardboard box across the street from the show. That's brilliant. Fantastic. I love it. I'm not even even a big fan of the trailer park boys, but that's fucking genius. (laughs) Which, like, it was ballsy too, because like 
nothing about the trailer park boys is like do it in public kind of friendly <laughs> like it's you know what i mean <laughs> like there's there's not a sentence that goes by that you're supposed to say on the street in front of public people <laughs> and just whatever full character <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, all i watch so i won't i won't hold up the show with any more wrestling talk no. We're gonna have to end up doing our own wrestling podcast at this point, yeah, or just have like a fucking segment somewhere along the way. <laughs> uh, what'd you watch, Doug? Uh, well, ironically, I watched the Trailer Park Boys Christmas, there you but go. I won't. I won't waste your time with details of that because it's it's the Trailer Park Boys. It just is what it is. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I've mentioned it every time there's a new season or whatever. Uh. I watched the documentary Tread, which I think you recommended, oh, didn't you, Brian? Sure did, and Eric recommended that when he was sitting in for Noah. Oh, yeah? No. I don't even remember Tread. that. Tread. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Sorry, Eric. <laughs> uh, Tread's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's a fantastic documentary. It's, like, the story itself is pretty interesting for people who don't know. Like, I remember it happening in real life. It was only, like, it was early 2000s some guy built like a tank out of a fucking bulldozer and just took on a town and nobody knew how to fucking stop him. And like he, it ends up, he only gets stopped for pure luck because he gets stuck. Like it's just, there's no, there was no way to stop that thing that he built. But that's, I really, that's the one where the guy's like trying to build a mine in his backyard and keeps getting fined or something for attempting no. to dig a mine. Right. Yeah. Uh, he, no. he had like, he had like a business, but they were finding him because they wanted them to hook up to the sewer or something and due they, to whatever regulations, but they weren't going to help him out to do it. So it was like super complicated and he kept getting pissed off. So he's like, fuck yeah. these people. But the way the, the way the documentary works really well is like they tell everything from his side of the story and then they turn it around and they tell everything from the other side of the story. And you're like, oh, it's it's possible that this guy just was a fucking nut job. <laughs> like, that's what I yeah. think might be going on here, because it's yeah. like the, the, the whole time you're hearing about how, like, the townsfolk were, like, out to get him, and, you know, they didn't like that he was kind of the new guy in town, and that he'd done well, and they were really screwing him over. And then the real key turning point to me is, like, I think it's like the mayor guy that they're interviewing, and he's just like, well, the guy actually did pretty well. He bought that that building and that land for like 30 grand in like 1990 and he sold it for like 400 grand in like 2002 or something and mm-hmm. then it's like and he ran a business on it that like paid all his bills and he and he would still be able to go like snowmobiling every weekend and stuff and when you say it like that you're like yeah that's actually that's pretty good man like that's <laughs> It's hard to see how he got screwed if that was his life. Like, I don't even understand. When he yeah. was convinced everybody was against him. And then, like, the one thing, the thing with the sewers is, like, he's, like, the whole time, he's, like, they're trying to charge me, like, 60 grand to tie into the sewers. And then he, there's also a whole plot line of him, like, fighting, trying to build this other business beside his. And he loses that fight. But then the other guys are, like, yeah. And then once we built it, we're, like, you could just tie into our sewer system. So you can save like a ton of money because we have to tie into the sewer system because everybody does. That's how it works. And he's like, he didn't take them up on that offer offer. And it's like, well, 
sounds like this guy was just nuts. And then, you know, mm. he fought a town with a bulldozer. So thus confirming, <laughs> I think that he was nuts. And needless to say, the, the part of the town he fought with his bulldozer did not win. No, no. Like, I guess spoilers, but I, I would watch this documentary if you haven't seen it. Like, the only reason that they were ever able to stop him is because he made the mistake of bulldozing a building that had a basement. And, like, the, one of the treads off the bulldozer kind of collapsed into it. But there's, like, there's just these scenes, because people started videotaping it, of he's, like, driving down the street, and there's cops on both sides of him, like, walking alongside and then he just aims for the building he feels like taking down and they're all just like please don't please uh, we'd prefer if you didn't knock down that store all right he's doing it like there's nothing they can fucking do they're shooting guns at this thing he's got it all fortified they can't do anything one guy jumps on the roof of it while it's moving and he's just there's no way to open it from the outside (laughs) they're just screwed he's even got a rig because they're like trying to throw like smoke bombs down through his like air ventilation system and he's got a rig so it all the smoke just comes back out at them <laughs> it's it's pretty impressive what he did yeah it's genius i agree the one guy in the documentary says like it's stupid that they destroyed that machine after they should have just kept it and put it on display and made money off of it and i agree because i would totally like <laughs> that area. So, i would go see that thing sold yeah. the design to the military <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh no, because it was really, really designed to protect him on the inside. The military is not going to spend the amount of time and money to build something that's just to protect the soldier. I was going to say, it was kind of cost prohibitive. <laughs> it was a, it was a one time use only vehicle. Because when they describe like they because they found like the designs and stuff. Yeah, well, it was like they describe it. It's like this. That's insane. It was like two pieces of sheet metal with concrete poured between them. That's what he made the walls of the thing out of. That's why they couldn't shoot through it. It's mm-hmm. insane. Like, and it's like yeah. it's so weird. He spent like a year living in this like shack, building this thing, and it's like, what? Why? Yeah, he had like a really nice house and everything, but he basically sold everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and lived in his warehouse just so he could just work on this nonstop for a year. Like again, this guy who got screwed and had nothing going for him, like he had. His house had like a hot tub. That's where he was sitting when he like had this had this revelation that he should tear down the whole town. It's yeah, fucking. It's weird, but it's it's a magnificent watch. Like you said, that so many people started videotaping it. There's news footage. There's just people that are like, "Oh fuck, I saw this thing on the news and it's coming down our street." Grab the video camera and they go yeah. out on their porch and they're just videoing like this tank driving by. Well, even the one guy that's like, he had, he's like a retired cop, but he had like just retired and he's, so they get him and it's kind of a funny interview. Cause he's like, man, he's like, I wasn't a cop anymore, but when I saw this happening, I knew just what to do. And then he grabbed his video camera and went outside and he's like, nothing I can, I'm not getting involved. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great watch. Yeah. Like we were, we were for my birthday, we went, we went up and stayed in a, airbnb so that we could go to the beach and swim away from everybody else like it was just like four of us quarantined in this house and i hooked up the voodoo and i were we were going through movies to watch and i and they're like what's tread i'm like oh this is just a documentary about a guy who turns a bulldozer into a tank and then destroys his town you probably wouldn't be interested and i started like moving down to pick another movie and they're like 
wait, hold on, what? <laughs> and of course, that's what we ended up watching. Well, do you guys remember this incident happening? Because it's, it it's like 2004. It's, it's not that it's, long ago. It sounded vaguely familiar, but I didn't. I didn't remember the details. I just remember dude in a bulldozer tearing I, shit up. I remember like. Like, I never knew the backstory, but I remember, like, watching the news footage of this fucking thing, driving down the street, and just being like, what the fuck? And I remember the guy on the roof of it at one point, and I'm just like, uh, this is insane. Like, this is this is movie shit. This doesn't happen in the <laughs> real world. So I'm super glad that I got to learn all the details about it. But yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. Like, he, he tears down a cement factory at one point. Like, I don't know what cement factories are built out of, but... They make cement there. They must be pretty strong buildings, you would think. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The last thing they want to do is have the building fall down because the walls weren't strong enough. It's just yeah. bad PR. What did, what did you make the walls out of? Corrugated metal. It's cheap. It's way cheaper. It's way cheaper than this fucking I, I believe part of it was was like a Morton building, so you're not well, wrong. Yeah. yeah, I think this is on Netflix. I think people could just watch it. That's where I watch if it. You're, if you're... If you're find this intriguing it's definitely worth a watch it's definitely yeah like it's and it's not i don't think it's very long like it wasn't hard to sit through at all because you get to the parts of him like living in a shack building a fucking tank pretty quickly (laughs) and all his like like spoiler alert again this guy like this guy's dead at the end of all this but he made tapes so they have his actual voice telling the story of things Mm. and it's like pretty cool and they also tell how he got rid of all the money in a way that the rest of the town couldn't get it back to rebuild themselves and i'm like pretty clever yeah but he put yeah. in like just enough steps in getting sure the money got to where he wanted it to be that they couldn't kind of trace it back and say hey, that's ours so yeah it's an hour and 28 minutes definitely yeah. worth it so yeah i was i enjoyed the hell out of it so. sounds like some good reality i can't char watches uh true crime Mm-hmm. Which normally I'm I'm mostly all right with true crime, but she's been watching like 48 hours and a bunch of those shows lately. And dear fucking god, they like stress me out. It turns me into a <laughs> seething ball of anger by the end of it. She was watching this one where this guy's wife dies, another guy gets arrested for it. He's a cop. He gets transferred. You know, he goes to another cop district or whatever the fuck they're called and then like a year later this girl calls 911 saying she was just raped by a cop and says that it's this guy right the the guy that they were looking at before the dispatcher goes okay i'm sending a unit your way and she's like screaming she's like no i just told you i was raped by a cop like the cop is the one who raped me if you call the cops he's going to come back here right now she goes i want an ambulance and i need a rape kit please please send those things and the 911 operator's like okay blah 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 and then what happens eight cop cars pull up and the very first cop car is the dude who just raped her and they and she's screaming into the phone because the 911 operator's still on there and she's saying, he's here. He's looking right at me. Please, please send the ambulance. And the ambulance never shows up, you know. They put her back into a cop car and basically make her say that she made it all up on camera. 
into the you know cop camera and then take her back out and they all just leave and there's all this, <laughs> I, and i i don't know it's just by the end of it and stuff like that just kept happening over and over and over again and i was like i need you to turn this fucking show off because this <laughs> makes me want to kill myself <laughs> like this this d- steals all of the hope i have for humanity i can't do it anymore <laughs> well you can have her watch tread with you it's all good yes yeah. that's what i need i need a guy in a tank knocking over buildings it's it's, yeah. it's pretty impressive it's so great because he'll just knock down a building and they're like okay i think he stopped and then the tank will do that thing where it starts to like you know pivoting <laughs> oh no now he's heading towards this this building shit <laughs> the only good news is he couldn't hit he tried to blow up the whole town by shooting giant propane tanks at like a i don't know whatever you call it, like where they have giant propane tanks and he couldn't hit them so it's like oh thank god because they you see the overhead view like and it's like oh those propane tanks are not nearly far enough away from those houses like if he's sort of blowing them up we could have a real situation on our hands. I, I guess I, you can't really expect the propane company to anticipate somebody with a 50 caliber gun shooting at their propane tanks. <laughs> That's not really fair to assume that they would know that might happen. But it, it looks real bad when you see how close they are to the house, houses. And you're like, oh. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine the town council calling that company and being like, uh, so propane people. Uh, what's the risk of a guy in a, a homemade tank bulldozer shooting a 50 cal at these things? I mean, are they going to blow up? Or are they just going to leak out? What's the, what's the damage there? <laughs> uh, that's so good. <laughs> that's but uh, Yeah. It's weird because like everything else I watched was, uh, you know, fiction, and it's like nothing was ever as crazy as that. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. So after that, I don't even think a transition out of that conversation <laughs> <laughs> into uh, yeah. It's it's December. I delved into my Christmas horror. So I watched, uh, rewatched Better Watch Out, which I don't think you liked, right, Brian? We covered it on the podcast a long time. I remember time. not enjoying it, but maybe I need to rewatch it. I think you should. I really liked it on a rewatch. It's yeah, it's just such a charming little tale about a little psychopath guy that wants to bang his babysitter. Yeah, I was going to say, I, if I remember right, that's the reason why we had issues with it, is because the trailers made it out to be Oh uh, yeah, that's what it was. Super violent home alone and instead it was like creepy little rape child trying to yeah. murder fuck his way through a house of people. Yeah. That's what it was, yeah. But I just don't understand why you guys are against that latter description. <laughs> uh it's because it wasn't I'm not against it. Wasn't, it, was it wasn't sold. what they it's promoted, yeah. Yeah. It yeah, it was. There is a big twist. It, the first kind of half of the movie is what you get in the trailers. And then there's the big twist and Knowing that twist was coming this time maybe made it less shocking, and uh, I I think I enjoyed it more now than I ever have in the past. It's like my third time watching it, so it's going to be a staple for me going forward. But I I like the performances. I think it's it's 
fun despite the fact that it's like violent and mean-spirited and evil so plus they you know actually do the paint can thing to see what'll happen <laughs> it's awesome <laughs> they're like we're gonna do this mythbuster style we'll just do it and see what happens <laughs> i got a real kick out of that um, after that, I decided I might uh, delve into the Silent Night, Deadly Night series because I haven't seen any of those in a long time. Yeah, I thought about doing that this year. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I knew I wouldn't have time for all of them, so I just decided to jump right to part two because what's the point of watching one and then watching two? <laughs> it's true. I'll tell you this. It builds two. up extra anticipation to Garbage Day. Yeah. <laughs> The flashback scenes in 2 are super fun. It's just all the best parts of 1, from what I can tell. Again, haven't seen 1 in years. Don't feel like I need to now. But I fucking love watching Santa Claus kill people, it turns out. It's super fun. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just just to just get him just go like, and then he killed this person, and we get the flashback to that. And then he killed this person, and we get the flashback to that. Only guess what happened next? He killed another person, and we get the flashback to that. (laughs) So much fun. Just what a brilliant way to take a slasher movie and just get rid of all the plot and shit. Just straight down to just a bunch of killings in a row. So I had fun with that. I I don't know. I I, I have to say, like I really really enjoyed rewatching it, and uh, it made me jump straight to part three, which was really happy because I watched Better Watch Out and Silent Night Deadly Night two in the same night, and then I found out part three is Silent Night Deadly Night. Part three, better watch out, is the subtitle. <laughs> so I was like all happy to watch it. I was like, oh look at that, that's such a fun thing. I can say that on the podcast and it'd be clever. That's... Uh, nice. Silent Night Deadly Night Three is not a very good movie though. Yeah. Um, that's the downside. It yeah, starts Bill out Mosley, strong. Though. Yeah, it starts out strong. It's like Bill Mosley has taken over the lead role. He wakes up from his coma. And he kills a few people in the hospital and just goes out chasing this chick who he has a psychic link with for some reason. I don't know why there's a psychic in this series all of a sudden, but there is. But then it just, I don't know, it gets pretty boring after that. Like It seems to take a long time for them to get around to him and the psychic chick fighting. Which is, it's another one that's like a 90 minute movie, so how can it feel long? It shouldn't, ever. Yeah. But, uh, you do get to watch Bill Mosley walking around. Like, they talk about how he had to have his, like, brain restarted. And so he's got this, like, glass dome on his head the whole movie. <laughs> At one point, he covers it up with a toque, but it, it doesn't really work. <laughs> and it's, if you haven't seen it, you should Google search the image of Bill Mosley in Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, because it's literally, it just looks like almost like a yarmulke shaped hat, except it's a metal strip at the bottom with a glass dome and a fake brain inside it. And he just walks around with that the whole movie. Like it's okay. Sure. Why not? I do like Mosley's performance in it though. Cause he's supposed to be like, not have his full cognitive abilities and stuff. Cause he's just come out of the coma. And I do think his performance is pretty good for like a slasher killer that had brain damage and everything. Uh, but no. you know, overall, like I say, the movie, the pacing of the movie is just, unacceptably boring so that was a problem for me this is what i've been worried about going going in in that they may uh they may just be terrible movies and there's a reason i haven't watched them well, well they're not terrible. 
movies. Yeah, they're not they're not good movies. The question is whether they're going to be fun movies. Yeah. And like I say, two was fun for me because they literally just edit every kill from part one into part two, and it's still it's not they don't make the movie longer in order to fit all the kills from the first movie in it. <laughs> they just make ninety percent of the movie flashbacks, which I mean, two two movies worth of kills in one slasher movie, pretty good. That's the other thing. I'm pretty sure in three, and it could be that I wasn't paying enough attention, but when they do the flashback in three to show how he got into the coma, I'm pretty sure they use a scene from two that was when the cops kill the wrong guy. And then in three, they they treat it as if they were killing the right guy when that happened. <laughs> so Sure, why not? Like, like the cops literally shoot like a guy in a Santa suit, and they're like, "Oh, it's not him." But then in three, they use the flashback of them shooting that guy. <laughs> and I was gonna double check that and make sure it was right before I said it, but yeah. no, I don't feel like I need to. Yeah, that's a lot of work. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm wrong and somebody wants to correct me, they can. But... <laughs> if a Silent Night Deadly Night aficionado wants to take the time, no. If anyone's rewatching the series, this will be the time of year they're doing it, and they can call in and criticize the fuck out of me. And due to our current schedule, we won't be able to re- respond to that until January. So, did you watch anything else? I did not watch anything else. I might watch part four, but I haven't no. yet. So, I've never seen five, so I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> part five's got Mickey Rooney in it. I, I, I'm aware that technically it has Mickey Rooney in it. I'm just not sure if I think that's a positive thing or not. <laughs> so, we'll see. I might have I might have more to discuss at a later date, or I might be abandoning that series. I don't think I'll know until uh, I don't think I'll know until next time. I'm like sitting there flipping through the streaming services trying to pick <laughs> something to watch. What is Tubi going to tell me to watch this time? You don't know. To be fair, I watched Better Watch Out. Through uh, and Silent Night Deadly Night two both through um, Amazon Prime. So, um, well, I didn't watch Jack shit. So, no, no. I'm trying to think of like what I did all week, and I guess it was playing Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven or writing articles. How's how's the treat, Dan? Yeah, you know, usual stuff. The re- the reviews for it on the consoles are uh, bad. Oh, bad. I thought you meant writing <laughs> writing the article. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the game's fine. It's is what it is. Um, I don't have any specific complaints, but yeah, what are you gonna do? I know apparently it's doing so badly that uh, that uh, whoever the lead guy for the company that made it did like a big big uh statement saying that they they obviously did not focus nearly enough on how it performed on old consoles like xbox one and ps4 and offered people refunds if they wanted it i think i saw a headline that that company's going to lose like a billion dollars over this game what i i I think they might have already done that yeah it's it's something like they've lost a third of their stock value since the release of the game. Yeah. Again, we've talked about before how stock markets are bullshit though, right? It's like 
it doesn't really make any sense. Stock stock markets are bullshit, but if you're running a company, your stock value is very important. <laughs> it's important, but it's it's nonsense, right? Because it's people going, the game's glitchy on the Xbox One. We better all sell our stock, and then that's how the stock price is determined. And it's just ridiculous because that's that what they're fighting to protect, rather than actually trying to make good products or sell good or make good sales or whatever else. I don't know. I was trying to see if I could find that article, but I don't see it. Doesn't matter. Apparently, it's doing terrible, but I'm enjoying it. Like, it's fine. I don't know. Um, there is a, another thing, though, in our society where everything has to be the best or it's garbage. Oh, totally. Like, like as we've demonstrated this week, we are one of the very few places where you can go to have people just go, yeah, something can be okay. You know? We discussed a lot of just okay stuff this week that we're not mad we watched, but we're not super excited we watched. That's very abnormal for 2020. Yeah. No, I've seen that with friends that were, I know specifically one of them when saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm-hmm. And he was disappointed in it. And I'm like, well, what didn't you like about it? He's like, it wasn't as good as the first one. And I'm like, well, no, but I mean, it doesn't mean it's terrible. He's like, no, it was, it was awful. And I'm like, why was it awful? Because it wasn't as good as the first one. I'm like, well, that doesn't make any damn sense. No. Although Guardians of the Galaxy 2 lacked the emotional impact and character development the first one had. But but was it terrible? Was it the worst thing you've ever seen? No. <laughs> I always say that's partially true. But man, I cry. I cry like a little baby at the end of two. <laughs> I don't has no no impact on me whatsoever. I know other people uh, say it does. Just nothing. Mary Poppins dies, Doug. Yeah, I don't. How care. are you okay with that? I would be. Uh, I, I don't know. I so I like that character. I just don't feel like his death earns an emotional response for me in that movie. No. I'm aware that I'm in the minority on that. People don't need to tell me i'm wrong i've been told i'm wrong um i've been watching clone wars i guess like oh, an yeah. episode at a time yeah it's pretty decent yeah i gotta i gotta do that one of these days it's hard because there's so much fucking coming out over the next little while uh, we were talking about uh the disney announcements last week yeah we didn't know what the Bad Batch was. The Bad Batch is a spinoff of the Clone Wars. Oh, I a group that. of yeah, a group of the. Isn't it something to troopers. the effect of like a group of troopers that don't participate in Order sixty six or something? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I, I knew that. I thought I said that. Uh, you said something, but I didn't know it was animated, so I didn't know it was oh. like a direct. Oh, okay. A direct thing. But they put a trailer out since then, and. Good. It's it's always plausible that I knew something and was just distracted by my phone or whatever. Or just not listening when you talked. That's so. very, 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 uh, uh, very some, possible. Some weeks where I'm just all of a sudden going through and I'm just like, uh, what were we supposed to be talking about? I feel like it's my turn to join the conversation, but I got bored because it wasn't me talking, so I stopped listening. <laughs> I just, uh, I scroll through Facebook while we do the show, so. I know, every now and again, we're done the show, and I go on Facebook, and I see that you've posted while we were talking. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Well, then I find articles, like, from somebody posted an article from vice.com. The the headline says, there's a big group of people who insist birds aren't real. And trust me, it's taken me everything I can not to click on that link and just read this article while we were doing I, the show. 
I found birds aren't real posters one time and I took pictures of them in the park and it said birds aren't real and I'm like and I it was killing me I'm like is this like a funny joke or is this people who think birds aren't real and it I googled it a couple times back in the day and I couldn't come up with an answer like i don't know it seems like there are people who think birds aren't real but there's also people who think that's stupid so they put up posters and i don't know which one i found <laughs> i think i think the problem is is it started as a joke mm-hmm. and then somebody said it out loud thinking everyone would go ha 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 and instead five more people went you know what birds are bullshit <laughs> oh my god I don't know how we ended up in a society where people think the earth is flat and the birds aren't real. It's it's kind of fascinating. The flat earth one blows my mind. Because they'll be like, well, there's a curve. And I'm like, just go outside of a city. And if you look, you know how there's a horizon? That's why. Because the earth fucking curves. Like, it's not that hard to prove that the earth curves. Your eye can see well enough to, to tell it to see the curve if you try real hard. You just got to go somewhere where there's nothing around. Yeah, people are dumb. That's man. Like guy that one's going to shoot himself up in space so that he could. Did he die? I think he I died. Think he probably died. Yeah. I wish that guy had been right. I wish the Earth had been flat and he fell off the side. That would have been the best news story ever. <laughs> that would have been worth it. Um, I also have an article from Bloody Disgusting that is 120 Christmas horror films. Go ahead and throw that one somewhere where I can read it. Yeah. I mean, I probably will get an email updating me that they've written that article anyway. Oh, this is like an old article, so you have it. I've had it saved for a couple weeks. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Um, All right. So what are we doing next week? Well, we don't know. This is a weird... It's going to be a weird couple weeks. Well, no, I think next week, according to this right now, will be... Oh, I don't know. Never mind. Yeah, see? <laughs> we got we got some shit coming out. We're going to take some time off over the holidays, but we are going to have some stuff pre-recorded that will be released yes. so that listeners don't have to go without hearing our yes. voices. I think, we will, I think we will end up missing a week when we get back into January just because... Will not have recorded anything the week of New Year's Eve, but it's possible unless we can figure something out. But yeah, so don't panic. But you will get you will get something in your stocking, and then you will get a New Year's Eve surprise. So uh, be looking for that stuff. But a regular episode. This is the last one of the year. I didn't even realize it till just now. Yeah, yeah. No, it's uh... going out with a meh. did you guys watch stuff not really did you did you like the movies no did you hate the movies did you at least fight over them no nothing nope just kind of a hey we we filled almost two hours that's that's good enough yeah people and people will be getting this to listen to and it'll be like uh in that weird week where you're still technically going to work but it's almost christmas and yeah Oh, did you guys cover some Christmas horde? No. Not really. Playing no. that far <laughs> Sorry. Uh, People who normally listen at work will be like, everybody be stopping by to ask them about their holiday plans, and they'll keep having to pause us. 
Is that does that still happen? I don't know. I still work at home, so I don't know. What's yeah, I don't know. The rest of the world. I, I don't have a job, so. No. Yeah. People come by and ask what your holiday plans are. I guess they're all scared of you now. No. <laughs> well, no. I, I I'm also working from home. They set me up to work from home because I had the vid. Yeah. And they were going to send my boss home, but since I was already at home, they've decided I'm staying home and I'm going to be working from home till like February or March or something like that. <laughs> okay. And your boss is like, that's not fair. And you're like, that's right. I'm the boss now. Well, well no, the funniest thing is he didn't want to work from home. Like he he'd said it a bunch of times. He wanted to work in the office and they were like, well, you're the manager. You're going to work from home. That's like, I don't know. Just let the man do what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that does sound like they were clearly saying, "Look, you're more valuable than Noah. If one of you's going to die, we want it to be him." <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty. I think that's in in a less harsh way accurate. <laughs> it's it's kind of like when you have like a guy who's willing to do his own stunts on a movie, and they're like, "We're going to get you a stuntman," but I can do my own stunts, and it's like, "Yeah, but if you die." We have to stop making this movie. If that guy dies, we just have to like send the insurance company to his wife's house, and then we're done with it. So we're gonna get you a stunt guy. That's basically the logic. <laughs> oh shit! So apparently, three hours ago, it was announced that Sony is taking Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven off their digital store. Oh, that's good. Nice. There goes that stock price down even further. <laughs> yeah. I think the the big thing I read in the article that was pissing people off wasn't necessarily that it was underperforming on consoles. It's that if you go back and read through everything, everyone was talking about how it was a little suspicious that every demo that they were doing was PC. And oh, normally yeah. they do console demos and stuff to show you how it runs. And everybody's basically saying, you knew, you know, what if you guys knew that this didn't run for shit on these consoles. You released it anyway. And you didn't tell anybody because you wanted that great big sales number. Yeah. I mean, that's not exactly shocking. No, games companies are dicks. That's not a surprise at all. Why, why should video game corporations be any different from all of the other corporations out there that are just going to do whatever barely legal shit they can do to fucking make money? It's just... That's why they exist, right? Now I'm sad again. <laughs> Say something Merry to make me unsad. Christmas. <laughs> it's yes, it's the holiday season. We're all ready to enjoy ourselves. You get to watch ECW while you work now. You should be all happy. <laughs> are are you the the good type of employee? You're like, well, I better not watch something while I'm working because uh, nor- this is normally- company time. Normally, while I'm working, so a bunch of the stuff I do um, is kind of specific, and I could make errors. So, in general, I'm either listening to, like, a book on tape or nothing, depending on how much attention I need to devote to it. Do you literally have a little tape deck, and you got to stop and flip the tape over? No, just audible. Okay. I'm I'm almost... I'm almost through my redo of Harry Potter. I'm on the last book now. Uh, It's amazing. I always forget, like, I think I physically read the books before I watched the movies, but I don't, I didn't, must not have retained it. The characters are so fucking different. Everyone says that. 
Yeah. It, I don't, especially, well, I, it's because that stupid fucking writer had a hard on for Hermione. He wrote entire, like, several entire characters out of those books just to give Hermione more stuff. It's it's really weird. It's really weird rereading him and being like, this, this dude should have chilled the fuck out. Like, <laughs> like, these other characters are great. Why the fuck, instead we got Hermione, Hermione saying smarmy things. Like, that's, I don't well, care. In the interest of fairness, from a movie perspective, you, like, especially when they, those started out as kids' movies, you, you want your lead characters to get tons of time, right? You want your your lead trio? I, I suppose, but Hermione's great in the books, too. She's just different. No, I'm just saying it's, as far as getting rid of characters and giving more time to the lead characters, that's that's why. That's technically George Lucas's fault. That's why every movie has to have two boys and one girl as the lead now. That's just how it is. It has to be two boys and one girl because we need to give the appearance of equality without actually giving equality. <laughs> yes, Hermione is the Warner sister dot of the series, if you will. I just want you to watch that new the new show of Animaniacs. I've never seen it either. Animaniacs. Wasn't there like? Wasn't there already some sort of outrage about some uh, Johnny Depp? divorce joke or something there was outrage for sure yeah i mean i'm surprised there wasn't outrage at the original animaniacs because oh my god it was filled with foul uh, yeah but it was back when the world was a little bit more fun there was no internet right so i'm sure there was like a few parents upset about it but... i think the whole thing was that parents wouldn't watch it with their kids they'd either turn it on and their kids would be watching it and they'd be doing something else or their kids would be watching it in the other room being quiet and so whenever they make jokes about uh, sticking a finger up Prince's ass and stuff. <laughs> Which I never caught that joke until like I was much, much older. Right. Well, that's the other thing is, though, like back then, you, if you did watch stuff with your kids, like there'd be jokes in there for the adults that were, the kids just wouldn't get. And the adults could chuckle at and then have that awkward, like, what is that? Why are you laughing at that? And then you're just like, oh, just go back to your show <laughs> like it's <laughs> i feel like that's gone now where it's like kids stuff is so separate from adult stuff unless it's disney disney loves to work in weird adult humor and children's movies occasionally yeah i like to give a priest a boner well i'm not just talking about that i'm talking about <laughs> like the noticeable in script stuff Experience. let's trash disney for the last the last time of the year what are your examples, Noah? <laughs> <laughs> We're just in this meandering, boring part of our podcast where we refuse to stop. So, well, Listen, we'll if we're going to talk about Disney, we're going to talk about all these exciting shows that are coming out. Well, all right. If you don't want to badmouth Disney, then should we shift into our Mandalorian corner and get this over with? Oh, sure. I don't even know if we're going to do one this, this week. But thinking about it... Uh, Wait, which episode, episode was this week? <laughs> this is the episode where they get Bill Burr out of prison. Okay, yeah. Pull a heist. Which uh, I was thinking, like, oh, there's not really much to talk about. But thinking back on this episode, this episode was pretty awesome. Uh, it, was it was a lot of fun, it, yeah. It was good because it was more similar to the uh, slower episodes from the first half of the first season. Yeah. yeah. 
which sure. I almost I almost prefer it that way. I kind of like these episodes where shit just kind of unfolds. Yeah. And and you get to kind of see what's going on, but I don't know. I think you need to find the right mix of the like the high energy, you know, big battle episodes like we've had the last couple and then this sort of kind of slower plot-driven, character-driven episodes. Right. So the big the big thing here was you had the Bill Burr character realizing coming to the realization that the world doesn't all suck, that it's really the Empire that are the bad guys. And then you had Mando realizing that sometimes you gotta break your own rules in order to get things done when he takes his helmet off to get into that machine to MacGuffin his way back to the child. Yeah. Which is such a, that's such a weird like well, we have to go to the specific machine that apparently is in the cafeteria of this. Well, it's like a, yeah, I mean, the implication is that there'd be one of those machines on any Imperial base and that it's in a public place where anybody can go and just look shit up, right? Yeah, but, but then well, it also scans your face. Yeah, I mean, it's nitpicky. It's just a weird excuse to get them in this base and for him to have yeah. to take his helmet off because nobody else can do it. Did you guys notice the weird pseudo political shift thing that they kind of referenced a little bit with the, uh, the bad guy. So, you know, in all the original movies and stuff, it was all the British imperialists. So all the bad guys had British accents and now they come across this new, uh, imperial officer. And he speaks like a old school Southern gentleman (laughs) because now that's the, that's the evil guys. These ass, ass, holy Southerners. I got to push back a little bit. I think that the empire was clearly based on the Nazis who were Germans, not British, and that they had British accents because it was filmed in England. Well, they were fascists. They weren't. I don't. I don't necessarily think they were supposed to be Nazis. A lot of the uniforms look pretty Nazi to me, but right. I mean, definitely their behavior is fascist, and they weren't actually committing a Holocaust against Jewish people, but <laughs> just Wookies. It was a Wookie Holocaust. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they weren't literal Nazis, but there was certainly the fascism and the appearance of Nazism. I thought always. And I just I always attributed the British accents to just filming location. Mm. Me too, but whatever. Makes it fun. So in getting into that though, so we've established the Empire or like that's the one thing that I actually think they did a good job of. It's like let's let's remind the audience through Bill Burr's character realizing it. The Empire fucking sucks. And there's none of this nonsense about how like, oh, there's good guys and bad guys in gray areas. No no no. The Empire is fucking terrible. And yeah, like the other, the good guys make mistakes and they're not perfect, but they're not fucking evil. And the Empire is evil, so they're they're atrocious and they're terrible and we hate them. But they tell us all that like a couple of minutes after Mando kills like fifty people who are just trying to stop the Empire, <laughs> just because it suits his personal goals. Did you guys think that that was mildly problematic? I've seen a couple of things online where people are like so. The Empire's the bad guys. These guys are trying to stop the Empire from mining whatever that that other MacGuffin that they're mining is. Um, and it's like, they're not trying to steal it. 
They're not trying to profit off of it. They're simply trying to stop the Empire. They're trying to blow up whatever the Empire is doing. So technically, they're the good guys. And Mando kills the shit out of them. I was I was going to say, see, I thought the whole uh, purpose of the episode was kind of to say the opposite. That it's not... That the... You know what I mean? It's not as clean as the Empire are the bad guys. No, no, that's... Because you have Bill Burr's character saying that. Like, the whole time. Like, he's coming in, he's saying, like, look at these people. Do you think they give a shit if it's the Empire or if it's the New Republic? They All, all they know is their lives suck and nobody's helping them and blah, 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 blah. But then when he sits down and actually speaks with his former commander, that's when he realizes, no, 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 you're the fucking bad guy. Because that guy's talking about that big battle, which is apparently a reference to a video game. Um, but talking about all these people who killed and how that guy basically just doesn't give a shit. And that's when he comes to that moment of like, oh no, no, these are clearly the bad guys. Like these, and that's why he shoots them. And all hell breaks loose, and we get to have our fun shootout where they're climbing on the side of the building. <laughs> I don't know. That's not yeah. see. That's not exactly the way I read it. I, I read it as this episode was supposed to show you that, like, stormtroopers, although awful, are are people just kind of following, you know, doing what they do. The The problem is, is that the people giving orders are giving terrible orders. Well, there's an element of truth to that, but I don't know who was the stormtrooper that was just doing well, cause what they did. I don't, get, well, I don't see where you got that. Well, it's, it's the whole thing of, like some of the speeches Bill Burr gives about, you know, his time in the empire and that he was just a guy trying to, you know, live, you know what I mean? He was just trying to survive and do the best he can. And then whenever they pull in with the, you know, the stormtroopers like clapping them on the back and stuff and how awful that must've felt. But to see, to see, uh, stormtroopers and people like that in a celebratory, not I'm going to murder you light. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right, but and then I, it's no, not, but, and then it's not really until once again, it's not until we get to that officer who clearly ordered the death of a ton of people who he didn't give a shit about that Bill Burr kind of snaps back out of it, and he's like, "Okay, this motherfucker got to go." Yeah, but I think that's a, that guy represents the Empire, right? Because up until that point, Bill Burr is basically saying that there is no difference between who's in charge, and when he has that conversation with that guy, that's when he realizes it really does matter to an extent i was pretty happy with uh i almost wonder if this episode wasn't a big middle finger uh to some of the reviewers from the previous season because people kind of had their way with the bill burr episode in the first season and admittedly it's not one of the best episodes oh i don't know it's the prison break one i like that episode yeah it's no it's fine it's just not one of the best episodes. Like, I, don't know. I, I, I would put it. A sta- it, it honestly stands out to me from the season one episodes. Like, it's nothing compared to like watching Boba Fett kick the shit out of everybody. But... Right, but I remember yeah. seeing a ton of people writing reviews about you know who the fuck hired Bill Burr to be in this, and you know, like, <laughs> because he really didn't do much in that first time yeah. around, so he didn't exactly give a performance. But in this episode, he gets to give a pretty i don't know deep nuanced straight up acting performance especially while that whole scene of sitting at the table with that guy in that slow 
shift of him just being a, you know, fuck you asshole. You, you did this thing that hurt me to just actual righteous anger. Yeah. Well, it's neat too, because you get that realization on Bill Burr's face when he's like, the guy's talking about this battle and he's like, yeah, I was there. Like, and he's like, realizes his commanding officer just doesn't even know who he is. Right. Like this guy who's mm-hmm. ordering him to go do this killing and shit doesn't even remember him. And I thought he, the acting was really solid. For Burr. Uh, this episode just made me wish that they would give Bill Burr's character a spinoff and it's just well, they, do heisty stuff. Are you sure that they're not doing that? Yeah, um, they, they, no they, idea, probably, but... they probably already done it. They, they but, dropped them off on that thing, and they said, you know, yeah. you're free to go. You, uh, you're you officially dead. You go change your name, and you can just do whatever heisty shit you want to do. Yeah. So. Just saying, I would be all about it, because this episode I thought was pretty great. Yeah. And like, like you said, his performance is fantastic. So yeah, overall, we're all seem pretty positive on this one. I was like, I, I think you'll there's probably people complaining because it's not as action heavy as some of the other ones but yeah and he takes his helmet off which i'm sure is uh i thought that was gonna piss Noah off i messaged you guys about it i'm like no one's gonna be angry but so i i would rather not see his weird sweaty dumpy face (laughs) (laughs) see there's that subtle anger where he has to insult the actor for looking but but if we can, I, I, I don't think I'm ever in my wildest dreams after they took off the helmet in the first season, think that we're going to get away with going an entire season without him taking oh. off the helmet one time. I think, it, I think yeah. it's going to, I think this is his shift. He's going to move away from, I forget the different names off the top of my head of the types of Mandalorians, but he's going to become more like those other ones that helped them on the, uh, water planet yeah i i will say this no no joke if he takes if he starts taking off the helmet on a regular basis i will totally lose interest in this show (laughs) i think it's coming i think that's the whole point of that well someone wrote an article about how this was a kind of what you were talking about a shift so that he wouldn't have to wear the helmet all the time and he personally responded that that's definitely not the case because he knew going in that this was going to be a character that wore his helmet all the time he actually worked with the producers on the character and stuff that that would be a part of it but so but what but i'm not suggesting that the actor wants to take the helmet off i'm suggesting sure it's a character shift driven by the storyline it is and possible we, we've set it up so that there's going to be this conflict between these different types of mandalorians yeah, yeah he's at some point in the future i think he's gonna have to pick a side and he's gonna choose to be the side that takes their helmets off he is mainly just a response to that he's not pushing for it just so that he gets more face time. Well, that's, the that's because there was rumors that got started that because he wanted to take the helmet off, they're getting ready to replace him with Boba Fett. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I, which I don't, might, I don't which still might that. be true. I don't think there, I think Boba Fett might get his own show. Wasn't he supposed to be in uh well, so here's the thing. Boba Fett Boba Fett was supposed to get his own show. Mm-hmm. Boba Fett's show is filming and started filming in October, which is the slate that should have been Mandalorian season three filming. So everybody was talking about the fact that maybe <laughs> oh. uh, that, that Boba Fett's show is now Mandalorian. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it was, he was going to, he's going to end up being in one of the shows they just recently announced, but, 
But now I, I have no idea. Maybe he's gonna. Maybe they just realized people love Boba Fett, and this mm. actor's got some chops, and he can carry some stuff. So maybe they're just. He's just gonna be drifting from show to show. Yeah, maybe it was the young Boba Fett was gonna show up in the Obi Wan Kenobi show. Might have yeah, been. I don't know. Work. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was gonna say. So my my big thing with the helmet, it it's because the sweaty, gross face. That that would change. If he had the helmet off all the time, obviously he wouldn't have a weird, sweaty, gross helmet face and head. <laughs> but but when he when the hel- the second the helmet comes off, he goes from being this mythical archetype to just being a fucking character. And yeah. I yeah. that's 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 the problem I have. I do not give a shit about uh, Jen Darren or whatever his name is, the character. I only care about the Mandalorian, the archetype. But that's what this whole show has been about. Has been him drifting towards becoming more of a father figure. To like the season one, episode one, he was willing to kidnap a baby and bring it to people, and he finally went, "No, that's a little too far for me." And that was his sort of first step towards becoming the guy that's now going to be willing to take the helmet off and become more and more of a character and get more nuanced. Mm, don't these ancient rules. Yeah, don't want mm. it. I, uh, I honestly would have been fine if he never took his mask off. I kind of would have preferred it, but kind of past that I was point o- now. But I was okay with it, the idea of it. But I also think that at some point, like your season five of the show and he's still just an archetype and not a character. So this is just about the action at that point. The show yeah, but, pretty quick at that point. But you can, you can develop that. You could develop the archetype. I mean, I mean he, he still has, he still has personality and you can establish more of like, cause we haven't, they haven't established jack shit of what the fuck his weird Mandalorian religion is other than this is the way and don't take your helmet off. <laughs> like that you've got a ton of room to grow and explore and change. And I mean, just, just the scene of him handing the baby, the little bobble off of his shifter or whatever on the spaceship, that's character development without shifting from the archetype to the, the lesser interesting I don't know, dude. I don't know if I agree that it, it, it's the it's a shift away from the archetype, right? The archetype is the monotone, cold-blooded, you know, just unfeeling bounty hunter. And he's the minute he starts caring for that child and trying to make it happy rather than just trying to hold on to it. All those little moments are all part of the same character arc, in my view. Well, but not really, because t- taking in and caring for foundlings is clearly part of the Mandalorian society. No, they only take them in and care for them as to grow their own culture. It's for their benefit, not for the foundlings. Benefit. I don't. I don't think he sees it that way. I see it that way. Well, you're not a Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be a dick about it. You're you're a Canadian, the opposite of the Mandalorian. <laughs> don't know if that's accurate. But I don't know. Like like I said, it doesn't it doesn't offend me. It doesn't upset me. I just think if they keep if that's the direction the show's going, I'm gonna be I'm gonna probably be out by season four. <laughs> I think I think that's the direction the show's going. So. 
I just want more shooty, shooty, killy, killy, stabby, stabby. Well, there will be lots of that, too. Don't worry. They've established that they're very good at that. Speaking and of which, probably... evil, evil Yoda, baby. It's not evil yet. <laughs> we'll see. He will be. He will be. <laughs> so the, the last question, maybe the most important question. What did you guys think about Boba Fett repainting his armor? That's weird, right? Yeah. Why did you do that? I didn't. I, I didn't like that. That's the part that bothered me. I'm like, didn't really? repaint it for decades, and then all of a sudden, just oh, oh yeah, a little time to kill while we're flying over here. <laughs> hey, my I don't. I don't know. I think I would be upset if there was a significant redesign, but instead, it's just like he just gave it a fresh paint job. That's the same paint job it had. Yeah. Although maybe a little more dark green and a little less tealy green for some reason. Well, you had to change with the times. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not offended by it, just so we're clear. It's not bugging me. I just thought it was like, like it's this iconic look and we're just going to fix it. Like, you know what I mean? It's... <laughs> I was going to say, it's weird that they covered up all of the battle damage except for the dent in the helmet. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. Well, you... Because you can't really fix that with paint. Put a shit ton of layers, I guess. But no. I, I'm a little nervous about the fact that because I... Have they established, does he have the greaves and stuff? Or does he just have the chest piece and the helmet now? I think it's just <laughs> chest piece helmet. Because yeah. he's, wearing, he's wearing that long skirt thing, so I don't know if he's got the legs on underneath it. But it's, it's a little weird right now that Boba Fett's weak spot's literally a shot to the dick. You got a best car them balls, man. I don't think Timothy Oliphant's character had that. I think it was just the chest piece and the helmet. Yeah, that's how I remember it. So, I mean, if they decide to make him go in the back of the ship and get the other parts and put them on, I won't be offended by that. I don't think we've seen it. Uh, looks no, like he, he definitely had the crotch protector. Oh, did he? So I'm seeing the yellow knee pad, but that's that's all I can see. Oh. Yeah. I think that he has all the parts that are plot convenient for him to have. That's what I think. Now we need a very specific episode where it explains how the crotch piece got from Timothy Oliphant to Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> oh my god, there's a gross subplot that Oliphant's character kept the crotch piece. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like, come on, man! I gotta repopulate this place with some more elephant. <laughs> Don't you want pretty, pretty man babies running around here? <laughs> That's so, weird. I sent the picture to the Discord, where you can clearly see his dick armor. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was hoping for. I also think he needs to bring back the cape. I kind of like the uh, the man dress he's wearing, but uh, need that shoulder cape. Oh, this is from the Return of the Jedi. So that that co- that cock piece is long gone. Well, that's what I'm saying. Did the Sarlacc just eat his his his, his giblet protector? Like... Uh, I'm looking at the tip of the elephant right now. He doesn't have the crotch piece on. So I did see his yellow uh, knee pad that Boba had, but that's it. Uh, I think we're getting yeah. a little too far into the nitty gritty of this particular <laughs> detail. <laughs> All right. Um, so how so... do we feel? How do we feel? Is, is it a Highlander situation where there can only be one Boba Fett because the original one passed away today? Yeah, it was sad. Well, yeah. I don't know. 
I, uh, it sucks that he died, but I don't think that they killed him just so that this new guy could take over. If that's you what sure. Has anybody sure. seen Favreau lately? Because technically, then they would have had to kill him back when they were making the prequels and they had that little kid. That's <laughs> true. So, anyways, it's weird because like now that we're old, so therefore the stuff that we cared about as children is made by people who are very old, and now they're dying. And I don't <laughs> like it. Wish yeah. They Wish they would stop dying. Yeah. I think it's I I think it's gonna get worse as time goes on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> this might be the way time works. Do you know uh, what's gonna happen is we're all gonna be like in our seventies and all of a sudden we're gonna have to read about Favreau dying and shit, and then we're gonna be all sad about that. Right. Well, that's a bunch of bullshit. Now I'm uh, sad. I wanna end the show. Well <laughs> We keep trying to find ways to end the show happy and we're not good at it. We will we will well, end the show this way. Merry Christmas, happy new years, and best car your balls. <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.